Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. everybody and welcome to this week's celluloid codswallop something we've not done for a while so we'll be discussing a film of choice uh, and as we are coming up to the christmas period we are going to be discussing a christmas film but as you would always expect with me it's a christmas film with a difference in this situation the old adage that the whatever is away uh, the mice will play is going to be a bit different because this week the podcast wife is away and for this recording, the bat, the cat, and the penguin are going to be out to play. I am joined this week by the wonderful, the one and only Joanne, who is really my podcast mistress and my real-life catwoman at this stage. So Meow. that seems slightly oddly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can confirm for this occasion I am James's pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, John. How are you? <laughs> Hi, James. How's it going? <laughs> Very well. Should I be giving you a stroke at this point? <laughs> oh, well, yes. You feed me some milk. <laughs> Do you know, I've just realised that, that we're the, 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 force, the four horse pussies of the apocalypse, because the last time we did this, uh, it was for Picard, and we were just going into lockdown, and we're in lockdown again. So mm-hmm. is it our fault? Could be. <laughs> Do you want to blame us? No, <laughs> fuck yourself. Mm, it's just, not our fault. Yeah, I was going mm, to say, well, in case you are confused, which probably you are, uh, gentle listeners, salty tadpoles, we are going to be reviewing one of my all-time favourite Christmas films, which is, uh, I'm afraid to say, it's a, it's a bit of a, an orthodox choice. Uh, no, it's not Die Hard. And if you haven't guessed it already, it is Batman Returns. Yay! Absolutely outstanding. I'm going to set the the scene slightly because the strange thing when it comes to Batman Returns is, for those of you who are not old enough to know uh, or not in the know, the Batman universe for films started really with the 1989 Batman film, and it was a huge, huge success. Again, had something we're seeing at the moment, which is sort of unexpected uh, casting that people maybe weren't happy with in the fact they cast Michael Keaton, who at that point was primarily known as a comedic actor as Batman. And that film was a huge, and I mean huge, success. It was, you know, it was the the Avengers success of its time. People loved it. They flocked to it. Couldn't get away from it. It was never really seen that it was going to have a sequel because Tim Burton wasn't particularly interested in making a sequel. I don't think Michael Keaton was particularly interested in making a sequel. But obviously Mm -hmm. the strong arm tactics from Warner Brothers kicked in. You can make some real big money. I think they paid Michael Keaton like 11 million or maybe even more to reprise his role. They they Uh, did. It's funny that how how 11 million. Apparently he 
he didn't really want it either. He wasn't really interested, but reckoned that that 11 million would help close some property deal that he was doing at the mm. time. I have to say, in all fairness, over here in Northern Ireland, if you spent 11 million on a house, well, you probably buy Northern Ireland, to be honest. That's <laughs> 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 yeah, a hell of a lot of money on, in, uh, in, 19, in 1989 terms. But the film itself, and the way the way they originally looked at doing it, is that it was going to be like a direct sequel to Batman 1989 one, and they wanted to, I think, have potentially maybe have some sort of links to the joker in it and they were saying they weren't this idea that they would have Catwoman and the penguin who were the predominant bad the uh, guy and gal of this film uh like i think they, they've seen something on the lines that they want to have them hunting for treasure <laughs> or something yes. yeah it was, a, it was a bit of a strange one because you just you just couldn't imagine it. i mean they wanted to go absolutely mad with the number of characters in it they wanted to even have harvey dent in it from yeah, yeah. you know to, to bring him in because he was never really done properly. I know I'm a bit ahead of myself here, but the one after this was I seen it in the cinema and I remember joining it at the time, but it wasn't it wasn't a patch on Tim Burton's work. Mm-hmm. And they wanted Robin as well. They even went as far as suiting up a guy for Robin. But I think it was Marlon Wayne's. That's Marlon it. Wayne's, I think, was the guy they were looking at. But yes. So this, so to give again, to give a bit of an idea before we get into the 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 meat of the film. So Tim Burton completely jettisoned that, and he said he wanted to. They would have continuation, but it would be more of a standalone film. And obviously Keaton was set to return. The idea was to have uh, uh, Billy D. Williams coming back as Two Face. Didn't happen, um, and his character got changed into somebody else. But the casting gets interesting because Catwoman's going to be in it. And the person they initially cast as Catwoman, they'd obviously looked to a few people, but they cast Annette Benning. Uh-huh. Annette Benning was was obviously the set person, but Annette Benning had the uh, the the fortune of being with uh, the walking sex bomb that is Warren Beatty, who got her pregnant. So the she bastard. was out. <laughs> I think <laughs> I would have been raging. <laughs> I'd be like Catwoman pregnancy. Hmm. Do I want to put on? Do I want to look like an alien is about to burst out of me, or do I want to play Catwoman? Yeah, I'd have divorced him for that alone. I mean, I think he would have been an inter- I think she would have been a very interesting choice, and uh, I can see why they they went with her. But it's very hard when you see this film to then um, see anybody else but the person they cast, which was the one and only Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh yes, and. They put, you know, we'll go, we can go into further detail talk about what happened with her, but obviously they had to then cast the penguin. I think they looked at people like maybe uh, Bob Hoskins and a few other people, but they settled on Danny DeVito, uh, who interestingly is playing a character who's meant to be in his 30s when he was 45 when he made this. Um, and touching on something you said earlier, which is the fact that the the we're going to have Harvey Dent in it which would have been Billy D. Williams, um, Mr. Colt 45 himself, but they ended up replacing him with a complete new character uh, in the form of a guy called Max Shrek, who is played by Christopher Walken, who is just beautifully bonkers in this oh, film. Oh, yes. He, I, I think he is almost the scariest person in this movie. Normality yeah. sometimes hides a nastier yes. face. And apparently Tim Burton was quite scared of him. He wasn't going to actually uh, bring him on to start off with because he was scared of Christopher Walken. But he, you couldn't imagine anyone else now in Max Shrek. Mm. He was, 
Insane. Now, Max Shrek, they called him Max Shrek. That was the, the name of the, the actor that played Nosferatu in the really old mm-hmm. film. The one mm-hmm. with him climbing up the stairs and so I'm going to do this, but nobody can see this sort of like the spying in these claws that he does. <laughs> <laughs> ah! When the lightning all hits him and uh, he was a really, really quite a disturbing character. I think it was, I can't remember what he was at, 1920 something. It was one of the original vampire movies. Absolutely superb. But I thought it was a nice touch, particularly from Burton, because he is very gothic and he's renowned for his, mm. that sort of style, that he called that character Max Shrek after Nosferatu. I mean, I love also with this, because stylistically looking at this film, I think it's absolutely wonderful. They couldn't get the original, uh, it was Anton first, I think, who originally designed the, the set. He did, yes. And I've, uh, and I've gathered they even had the set still up in uh, London, uh, Pinewood Studios, but that was completely jettisoned for this this set that was... Um, it very much lends itself to German expressionist art um, for it Batman does. Returns. It's actually kind of sad that, that this uh, Anton first designed the first Batman universe because I had the comics as well from there and it, it bled yeah. into the comics too. He mm. unfortunately, he, he went and worked on another film about the same time, couldn't do it, and he killed himself. He did. He, he committed did, suicide, yeah. which is really sad because I remember that particularly being in the comics at that time too. Tributes paid yeah. to him, but his... Gotham never really looked the same again because of Anton. Mm. It was and it never was, really New York City. Yeah, it was a massive sort of changeover. I mean, I have it oh, as ever running in the background to a mental aid. Uh, I mean, I think it's just absolutely, uh, as films go visually, and I've become able to appreciate it even more, uh, I think as a visual piece, it's phenomenal. But why do I see it as a Christmas film? It is set at Christmas, which I think is the big, thing that colours it for me um, I will fight anyone who doesn't see this as a Christmas film and I actually prefer this over Die Hard um, and I'll just say that you know if you want to fight me on that one fair enough but also Bruce Willis himself says that Die Hard is not a Christmas film so you know screw you guys <laughs> what does he know what does he yeah. know it's like a Christmas movie it's set at Christmas never forget <laughs> the Nakatomi Tower one <laughs> that you can get in a theme it's definitely a Christmas film. I don't care what he says. He might have been in it, but he didn't feckin' direct it and all that other stuff. And I think in the end of film, once you direct a film and you put it out there, it's not yours anymore. Sorry, your name might be on the poster, but it's not really yours. It belongs to the fans because the fans are the one that will carry on its legacy. They'll be the ones that watch it, cosplay as it, buy the toys, Whatever, you name it, role play it in the bedroom if they really want to, especially if you're Catwoman. And Whoa. we're the ones that keep it going. <laughs> we're the ones that keep it going. And what I love, though, when you watch Batman Returns is if you just from the opening scene, you get the idea of visual and it's a wonderful thing. And you get to see, uh, you know, the primary villain of where he came from, which is he's this horribly deformed um child his parents are obviously very very rich probably on the same sort of level as the waynes would be very wealthy old uh, money style people um and interestingly the parents are played by two people who've worked with burton previously um in the Pee Wee herman universe uh, which is where you have um and it's terrible that i've forgotten this but the actors names but you have the chap who played Pee Wee herman 
playing the father of the penguin and initially they wanted to try and cast if my memory serves me mm-hmm. um they wanted to try and cast Bur- burgess meredith who played the penguin in the tv series but his uh you know age and health issues prevented this um, i know it was such a pity because he would have been fantastic no one's saying that he'd have been very old for the part mm-hmm. yeah by that time because i think he died then in 97 yeah, so he would have been like his 80s, wouldn't he, I suspect, or even mm-hmm. older. Um, what I find interesting when you go to this film, so visually it's this wonderful setting, and a lot of it that I find interesting in this film is that going from what Anton first did, where it was sort of big, large sets, it is still these wonderful large sets, which I've gathered pretty much took up nearly the entire Warner Brothers backlot when they made it, Um it's you you do sort of focus more on set areas like say the town hall uh well the town square area uh and other parts of the film but we go into this brilliant um be, i mean on blu-ray which is what i've got this it is just this wonderful beautiful visual thing to see and uh you get your first introduction of the bad guy who is matt shrek chris walken has this wonderful head of white snowy hair and again, on the clothing front of these sort of films, they always sort of have one foot in either the 80s or 90s style. So what would have been the present day and this other foot in like a 40s look. Um, but we see a Selena Kyle, it's a bit different because the character's gone through all these different creations and iterations. Um, and in this, she's a, a very lowly executive secretary. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. It was, it was uh, she, even the way she's dressed, it's all very demure and it's dull oh, yeah. and it's not. Whereas Max Shrek, apparently his costume was based on J.P. Morgan, you know, the big financial guy that yeah. would have probably been in the 40s. Because that's what I loved about it. There was sort of that slightly noir feel to it, which actually then in turn, I think, pretty much dictated how the Batman adventures, the cartoon series went as well. Because yes. it had yeah. the same feeling. So, yeah, Max Mark Shrek, he's just... He's full of shit, really, isn't he? Yeah, he's well, all bluster. I've, I've gathered that even if even his cufflinks were actually a human tooth thing. Uh, really? I remember reading up on that. Yeah, to try and give him a stranger edge. He had, uh, like, you know, human teeth as his uh, cufflinks. Something you probably wouldn't even really see, but it's there. But sort of, the other thing that I love is, like, his son, Chip, is this really big, tough looking guy uh who now the actor who played him now plays in things like texas chainsaw massacre films and i think about played done some of the friday the 13th films <laughs> so he does horror because <laughs> like, i wonder where he went actually i can give you a live update from my front garden just at the moment we're talking about uh, rich people there's a female mm-hmm. pheasant that's just walked into my garden i just had to share that uh, uh, no i've <laughs> been there i have pheasants trotting around the land uh, in my garden, so it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, it's yeah, she just wandered in. And ironically, if I'm going to be talking about Catwoman, do I need to go out into the garden now and hunt this poor bird down? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I want, I, I want, uh, I want film footage. Uh, <laughs> That's a complete aside. I just, I guess, I seem slightly distracted for a moment. Thought pheasants just wandered into my garden. <laughs> Brilliant. You never know what you're going to have up around here. Nope, it's I like that cat. It's different. It's great, but uh, it's strange. I love it. I like the fact you can we we can riff on this sort of strange stuff uh, that, that other people would not discuss, John. But us. no, you're so dull, darling. You're so dull. Yeah. Our life is just generally strange. Let's face it. 
Yeah, well, that's where we get on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How we met, like I'm dressed as, as Batwoman and, and you're there to interview all the cosplayers. That's that's a pretty strange fucking lifestyle, let's face it. <laughs> Returning us to the to the film, because I know that us, uh, us talking will go off into a weird tangent, but I don't care if we'll <laughs> completely lose the, the focus. So, again... <laughs> Definitely Christmas film. There is a big Christmas tree that's been lit up uh, within this film by uh, uh, the Ice Princess, which will become an integral part of the plot later. But you're looking at it all in this wonderful setup. And a little nod to real life is that they had on the wall in the office all these little pictures of Max Schreck, who's this massive, powerful industrialist who's uh, got his own department stores and uh, he's trying to set up this nefarious plot of uh, having a, uh, a power station that will run the city that he's... Uh, going to be his big legacy. Uh, on the wall, there are pictures of him with loads of different famous people who were basically famous people that Chris Walken knew. And I've gathered they just altered his hair and things in post to make it to make it really. Work. That's because I've yep. been watching it in an old DVD and never realised. Yeah, there's like a picture him with uh, with uh, future Batman villain uh, actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> Now, there's a film I've never been able to finish watching. Can't. Can't. I saw it at the cinema. I saw it at the cinema. In the first five minutes, I was like, God, this is terrible. Uh, (laughs) So bad. To take the the sour taste of Batman uh, and Robin away, we have the wonderful, absolutely perfect, to me, Batman Returns. Now, some people hate this film. Uh, I know one of them being uh, Bill Jet Ramey, who runs the Batman and Film website. Uh, he and I once had a little chat on Twitter about this, uh, amongst other things we've talked about, but he really doesn't like this film. But, you know... Sick. You and me, mate, we're, outside now. We'll, we'll deal with yeah. this in the car park. <laughs> so... We then get our, our, our real introduction to this film to the proper bad guys who are the uh, the Red Triangle gang, who are like a circus sort of gang. And they're, they're creating total chaos. It's madness. The city's being ripped apart. Uh, they're, they're a wonderful thing to behold. They're all like various different clowns and other people and strong men and uh, uh, a guy with like an accordion that fires out uh, like machine gun bullets. It's great, and it's creating untold madness. Selena's trying to get across the uh, the, the the plaza because she's got the speech that should have been Max Shrek's speech, and basically, yeah, I, I love yeah, I love the fact that he blames her. Yeah, I love the fact well, that he blames do. her, uh-huh. and, <laughs> and he says to he says to Chip, you know, it was basically her fault. What's that he says? I'll fire her later. I can't remember. He, th- he threatens to do something to her later anyway. I, well, he says, remind me to take it out of what's her name. What's her name? Listen, it's just so demeaning that he doesn't even give, he doesn't even see the little person. Can't give her a name, blames her for everything. Uh, much, I mean, him underestimating her kind of costs him. Mm. Well, he belittles her even in front of the, the people at the start of films. He's saying, you know, she makes her, we haven't got a house trained. Again, probably uh, can't. Reference, yeah. she makes she makes a hell of a cup of coffee yeah because so, there's there you know what just just to go way back actually to the, the cobble pot mm. mansion did you see a wee bit of foreshadowing in in the bit where the baby baby cobble pots <laughs> in his crate and he drags the cat in and eats it or kills it when you're not really sure you just know the cat's not alive anymore so i thought there's quite a foreshadowing actually of off penguin and catwoman when they get together yeah, yeah. 
this little kid is wow, drags it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> but anyway, we'll go forward again. Uh, yeah, into the plaza scene. That was not that. That was that was a beautiful. That was beautifully shot. It really yeah. uh, and the big, the, the big box coming out. And Chip thinks his dad has organised this. <laughs> this big, huge Christmas present. Again, I'm doing it with the hands here. I'm, I'm outlining a box in the air. And, uh, and Max, of course, being Max, he takes credit for it, which was a bit stupid because it doesn't quite turn out to be the Christmas present everybody wanted. Well, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because it's the, uh, what's he called? The mayor says to him, great idea, assuming it's Max. And he's like, not mine. And then, boom, chaos. Uh, so... All the madness is happening, and then we get to just a great scene. I mean, it does make me wonder how inept the police are in this film, because like, they, they obviously can't do this crowd control, and it's straight away, you know, you've got the um, commissioner, played by Pat Hingle, saying, you know, what are you waiting for, the signal? So obviously they need Batman. Now, this is where it gets interesting for me, because when they made the first Batman film, and I picked up on this more, I think the film is somewhere like Nebworth House, uh, in in the UK, and you could easily see it was a real house, and you see mm-hmm. huge elements of the house. But in this one, basically, they didn't do any of the filming there. So you get to see miniatures, which, to be fair, when you look at it up close, you can sometimes tell. But this big old beautiful house, and Bruce when he sat in the dark, brooding. Oh yeah, well this is it. Is he? It would have been a wee bit embarrassing if we had have panned on to Bruce and he was sitting having a wank in the dark. <laughs> that would have been really odd. I mean, could you just imagine you're just about and you go, right, two seconds, two seconds. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, whatever it is. And the next minute the bat symbol hits you and you think, well, there you go. It's gone. Yeah. The moment's completely left me now. I'm going to have to go and dress in rubber. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Do you know what? I'm thinking, did he just set that up as an excuse just to dress in rubber? Some of us don't have to go to that length of putting a lighting system to advertise to your bloody neighbours. Oh, by the way, I'm Batman. Okay, admittedly, he probably doesn't have neighbours like you and I would have, but still, all the same. Anybody coming to do any work in the house is going to think, why does Bruce Wayne have this Batman lighting system on top of his roof? I don't know. But <laughs> kind of kind of might give it away, unless you do, unless Per Alfred's up there doing the work on the roof all the time. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. You've got to wonder, does he just sit around in the doubt with nothing to do? Because he's like, he suddenly springs into life. Michael Keaton looking very cool. Strange again, all dressed in black. He only seems to have one colour scheme at points in this film. Uh, he's and his entire, Well, it's true. His entire study is lit up uh, by the signal. So he, he then he has to go and do his thing. And he, it's interesting because basically the... I do find it funny that they're going like, well, we want the guy who runs everything to the mayor steps forward. They go, not you, not the mayor out. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, they wanted the power, power, the powerhouse of the city. I loved as well, actually, funny enough, you were just talking about the ineptitude of the police force. There must have been inept because there must have been no more than 20 people seeing this big Christmas yeah. tree turn on. <laughs> and there's 20 people. Oh, no, we can't control it. In fact, there was nearly two bodies for every one person. <laughs> it was such a small crowd. Well, well, some of them just seem to be going around like, what do you call it? Uh, like doing uh, sort of like tricks, just like throwing burning stuff up in there. They don't seem to be creating any real chaos. Um, <laughs> the stilt walkers. But it is, I mean, that, to me, this is absolutely a brilliant scene because you do get, in my opinion, still the greatest Batmobile ever, you know, oh, yes. going along. 
basically it does sound like a hair drag its engine's supposed to be run off like a, a big sort of you know rolls royce engine um but you know batman basically just goes around knocking everybody down creating stuff and it again just visually i think this is a wonderful way of doing things it's snappy it's fast it gets people's attention it, the car does have a terrible turning radius. I'll, uh, I will acknowledge that as being a problem because he does but have to have like, built in to do that. Yep. <laughs> Look, that's not the only vehicle. I'm going to go off on a side here. Uh, the, the bike mm-hmm. that was used uh, for Judge Dredd and uh, the Carl mm-hmm. Urban version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know somebody that has that, and we were getting it out to the back of the van, this van, for a convention there about three years ago in Bristol called Lawless or Lawgiver. And um, is he trying to get it out and turned? There was absolutely no turning circle. For a motorbike, the way it's wow. built, it was absolutely horrendous. And we had to bounce it around the place. So actually seeing the, the, the Batmobile on its own turnstile was a great idea because we could have really done with it that day. <laughs> I mean, I do love the fact that, you know, Batman just straight out uh, uses like an afterburner thing to set on fire. <laughs> the guy yeah, so like, much for oh, Batman not killing people. This is what I always laugh. I always laugh. There's actually... Batman is actually probably more ethical in the comics than yeah. he ever is in the in the movies. But then who wants to see a Batman wrestling with not killing somebody? You know, the, the ethics of it, will I not do it? The internal monologue. Mm-hmm. They just want to see Batman kicking ass, which in fairness, Michael Keaton does a bit more in this one than the than the mm-hmm. first movie. I think they, they made some modifications to the Batsuit as well. Yeah. For start, it's it's not got the muscles on the front of it. It's got like armor. Which you yeah. know, for a wee bit more defensive down his abs, looks better as well too. Whenever you see it on a cosplayer, and yeah. I think it's slightly thinner. Also has a zip, so you go for a wee. Apparently, the actor mm. demanded that a zip be built into his suit. Always and good I idea. Under- I can understand. I mean, as as the suits go compared to the first suit, I love it because it's more streamlined. Mm-hmm. I think it was lighter, and I think just vi- they changed the color slightly to add a bit more grey, I think, to it. But I think it just as a suit looks a lot better. And they also managed to put the proper bat symbol on it because when they made the first one, there was some sort of rights issue with the, the symbol that they used on the suit. So they managed to have that all covered up and sorted uh, for this film. But I just think it's a great suit. And interesting as a sign-up, when I was a kid in the Arndale Shopping Centre in Manchester, there used to be something called the Warner Brothers store. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that store did exist until for some reason it closed. It had loads of cool Batman stuff in it, clothing. Loved it. One of my favourite stores. Never bought anything from it, but I loved it. But in the window, it had a little thing set up with, like, you could, with, like, Batman watching stuff and a, a a mock-up model of the bat bullet giving away some future stuff there but it had a screen used batman return suit oh wow mm. i'd love to see that it was great until after years and years of being sat there it started falling apart like his ear was dropping off and uh <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> well i suppose it's probably the integrity of it started to go mm. because i would have well, taken a prob- heck of a hammer probably it'd probably dry out and if you're trying to move it mm-hmm. to sort of tidy up and stuff, it probably gets a real hammering. But, uh, uh, you know, again, looking at this film, what I love is like, we get our first introduction to the penguin and he's just like, he's not the penguin you would have seen in the comics. He was like just a slightly weird looking gangster in this. He's like, he, he well, it's, it's, it's awful, isn't it? He's got like, you know, yeah. fused up hands and he, Drool's black stuff, which again I think is one of the reasons Jet uh, Bill Ramey uh, 
doesn't particularly like this film. Uh, he doesn't like the way he's portrayed, the, the penguins portrayed, but it also again shows this level of intelligence that like everything that Max Shrek would want to hide away <laughs> and not, and no one, you want no one to know about him. Like the fact that he's killed his old business partner. Um, yes. That's <laughs> it, he, he's, he's dragged poor Max down into the sewers. And what is it? What you flush away, I put on my mantelpiece, Penguin yeah. says to him. You, you, uh, you flush it, I flaunt it. Yeah. That's right. That's what it is. Because Max is the, he's the poster boy for the, the city. He's the, the businessman, the entrepreneur, the, the guy that's done good. A kind of a Trump type character pretends mm. he's come from nothing, but actually came from a lot of money, and mm. and made more money, unfortunately. And then you have the ugly penguin, who isn't hiding. Who well, he he's hiding below ground, but he doesn't hide himself to Shrek, or Shrek tries to hide himself to the penguin. Penguin knows right away after spending hours and hours and hours in sellotape and a lot of a little sellotape and a lot of patience, and he was able to to uh, stick back. Only the the um, incriminating evidence that Max had tried to flush. Yeah, because he'd like I think if I remember Max had had like been running like pre fire traps that were creating loads of pollution and issues because he said oh that's it. he's got all this like he has like clean textile plants and he's just got this like acidic green goo that <laughs> yes it's it's really pretty much what the what I think um, that the makers of Robocop probably thought um, toxic waste was going to be like. Because <laughs> yeah. that's that, that scene at the towards the end of Robocop where one of the bad guys gets covered in the toxic waste and he starts to melt. I remember giving that giving yeah. me nightmares. And whenever I seen whenever that scene comes on, I always think of Robocop and the guy that melts just because of the toxic goo that Max is flushing out. Yeah, of course. But it... <laughs> I just remembered actually. There's an even better thing that he gives to to Max, of course, which you were probably going to say. <laughs> Oh no! I want you to. I want you to run with it. I literally have come to the pretty much come to this scene now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the penguin actually I ha- gives. I have come to that scene actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the penguin yeah. gives Max what could only be described as a hand job. Mm, uh, he does. He's part of his old business partner, and it's his hand. Mm. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, yes. It's so yeah, yes. Yeah, he asked a lovely question. He said, Where, how's Frack in your old part? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think oh, he's, on a, he's on extended vacation. He goes, yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he waves it at him. Hello, Max. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I even like the bit, the fact that the hand appears in the scene for a bit longer because they negotiate a deal to bring the penguin up to the surface so that the penguin can, can reclaim his birthright. And. Mm-hmm really whenever they whenever they go to agree on it they actually shake using his old business partner's hand of course max doesn't yeah. realize it at the time doesn't make the connection actually that the penguin has a thumb and, and two digits because mm. uh so the fingers are, are um are, you know are fused together like like a penguin mm-hmm. which is just cleverly done and of course at that point we still think he's called penguin mm-hmm and it's a very strange thing because obviously what he's saying, I used to be human, I knew all this. I've gathered at some point they were either going to make him Max's brother or possibly some relation to Batman. I can't remember which it was. It's probably going to be Max's brother. It uh, was, yes. It was, yeah, it was supposed to be a relative of Max's. I only read that today, actually. I was kind of shocked. Thought, okay, I can see where you're going with that. 
Though I'm kind of glad they didn't because it might have been, it might have been a bit of a trope that. Mm. Whereas Penguin was completely separate from Max, there was no connection there. Both were using each other, and not, not for any revenge, family-wise. But it was interesting when you look at the, you see the penguin for the first time. His makeup, I've gathered, you know, they make him obviously grotesque and horrible. This black goop running out of his mouth, but they had made it such a secret his appearance that Danny DeVito wasn't allowed to tell anybody what mm-hmm. he looked like. So that's quite a thing. But you go from this very interesting style, t- tonal and style shift. So you've seen all these like very nice sets. You've well, depending on you see the series, I guess it's nice. But Max's office has been this wonderful thing. It's all very dark, you know, deco inspired colours, uh, very clean lines. And then you jump to where Selena Kyle lives, which is this. I only got this when I recently watched it again, but she's pretty much living in the highest point of a building, in like a loft. I think because there's loads of metal girders that have like reduced the height of rooms, particularly in the kitchen. Oh. So she's living in probably what is like a very small attic area, not in a good attic sense. And everything's like girly and pink and yes. toys <laughs> and things. It's very, very young. Uh, it's, mm. it's somebody who's naive, who wants to be loved, um, who thinks that you know the world world has got to be a good place if you just try hard enough and if you wish hard enough basically she's when you wish upon a star she's yeah. a disney princess at this point it's true and yeah and uh, she's very lonely she hits her wee answering machine when she comes in and it's her mum why haven't you rang me mm-hmm. are you coming home for christmas basically the mother sounds very demanding like she doesn't understand that selena maybe doesn't want uh, to be a wife and a mother, possibly she wants something different. She wants to be a career woman. And mm. that's a path that she said herself that her mum, well, it's just me reading between the lines here, that her mum is probably against. And uh, and just as she's sitting down, because she's absolutely ball-bagged, as we would say over here, because she's had a hard day being humiliated by Max Shrek. Yeah. yeah, she is absolutely exhausted. The answer machine uh, reminds her that uh, she has one more call to listen to, and it's herself. Uh, just mm-hmm. to say, you if you can hear this, you have to go all the way back to the office because you forgot to leave out the notes for Bruce Wayne, the meeting with Bruce Wayne tomorrow morning. And mm-hmm. dear lover, she has to put her shoes on again and hobble off back to um, Max Shrek's place. Uh, and the way you see with Selena also is that she is, you're right, I didn't think those other things with regard to the personality she's got, this sort of like naivety, niceness and the life she wants to happen there's even answer machine message from a boyfriend who says that basically oh, yes. they, they, they can't go away together interesting fact the voice of the boyfriend is actually tim burton i learned that is recently it? yeah yeah from what I, what I read yeah because it's such a dick message isn't it i have to concentrate mm-hmm. on myself selena that that trip that we were going to take yeah my therapist says i have to concentrate on myself and oh you, you just know how that feels every woman's there been through that there's always there somebody also, in your background. <laughs> there, there is also a dick joke in there. I can't be an appendage. And the response from a some appendage. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. Oh, I felt so sorry for her there. You, you, yeah. you just, she's just at her lowest. It's Christmas. She's lonely. She won't go back to her mum's place. Or, I mean, even her bedroom, it's not a bed in it. 
she has to pull down the bed. It's a bed set. It's not even yeah. room to, to keep the bed out all day long. It's and, a miserable, miserable existence. And everything's so low with the, like I said, the, I'd never noticed the big metal uh, girder things before they were holding up the roof. Uh, it just shows, yeah, that she's this very much browbeaten woman who's probably working, well, as you see, she's working every hour God sends to sort of like keep Max Shrek's stuff afloat. And um, she's treated horribly. And it becomes even more evident when she goes back to the office to help Max pulls out managers. I mean, ingenious illegally pulls the files excuse me that showed that she, it's not going to be a power plant but just a giant, giant like battery sucking in the power from everywhere around and basically max cannot handle the fact she's found this out and well it gets a bit messy <laughs> just a tad basically max comes back and is surprised to find selena in his secret files mm. because she was able to crack the code and it was the name of his chihuahua <laughs> she worked out that his password was the name of his chihuahua. Oh, he is not happy about that at all. He really isn't. And he's bullies and harasses her. And mm. For just this once, Selena sticks up for herself. She what does. You, you do? see it, don't you? Yeah. You see a change. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, fuck you, you know. I've had enough. After all, all the crap that she's had, she's, she's been, uh, I mean, in the plaza, I don't know whether that scene has been there where she gets... Uh, attacked by one of the clowns mm. and even Batman <laughs> practically ignores her after he rescues her and yeah. she's ha- and her boyfriend doesn't want her and uh, she her, her mum is demanding her job is shit and she, I think she's just had it up to here at that point and she turns on Max as much as somebody like Selena at that point will turn on her t- turn on them I think she suddenly realises look it can't get any worse than this what are you going to do kill me and surprisingly enough he does just that <laughs> by pushing out a window, uh, and she go and that again. Visual, I think it's wonderful. She goes through all the uh, the different canopies for the the store, doesn't she? All the buildings, yeah, like that. That and that's quite a good visual thing. Then she hits the ground, and she's dead. Yeah, clearly dead. Oh yeah. And then suddenly she's she's brought back to life by all the cats nibbling her fingers and stuff. Remember as a kid watching that, I was like, woo. <laughs> oh yeah. And, <laughs> Didn't uh, like that it, scene at all. Oh, it's horrible. Those canopies actually, every one that she falls through, the because uh, there's there's the, the Max Shrek, his the symbol of the store is actually a cat. Mm. So every canopy she goes through, she goes straight through the image of the cat. She, and then she hits the ground. And it's quite clever because I think the first cat that comes across her is Miss Kitty, her own cat. Because yeah, that was another, I, yeah. that's our only companion in the, the apartment because Miss Kitty's out in the tiles having an active sex life <laughs> while poor Selena's working all the hours that she can to support the both of them. So and Miss Kitty like must these, rally her friends. She has like this weird conversation where she comes in sort of says, you know, hello, honey, I'm I'm home. And then makes a comment, I'm not married. And it's this For wonderful tonal this wonderful tonal shift you get because she, it, she, you see her sort of just upset and uh, dealing with things when she first returns home, and then it's and it's quite a hard scene to watch initially when she comes back from her, you know, she's come back from the dead because uh, she's she's just sort of well, she's doing cat things, drinking loads of milk, and uh, also trying to give stuff to the cat, but then. There's this antrum machine that sort of says basically, you know, it's uh, I think Gotham Lady perfume. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you, your boss will want to spend time with you. And that <laughs> just, you see, 
it's this it's just quite a sad thing because you see you see a, a a brain goes doesn't it it she, head does and she clutches her head and it's this big thing and then you just see it destroying this wonderful pink apartment well i say wonderful i think it's pretty awful but um <laughs> i absolutely adore this scene Absolutely. I have watched this scene independently on its own so many times. And you know what? I'm going to be really blows about this to say that this scene has brought me to tears on a few occasions. Mm. I think it's powerfully emotional, very powerful scene. Um, It's the complete breakdown of a person who Mm. we think has come back from the dead. We're not sure. She suffered a grave injury and she's come back again and she is different and that she no, now realizes that there is no point in re- relying on anyone else. She has to rely on herself. That mm-hmm. she is her own person. Fuck the rest of them. I'm going to do it myself. Nothing worse when you get a woman that angry, because we kind of get a wee bit aggressive. Um, and she destroys who she was previously. Mm. She recognizes the fact that Selena, the old pink Selena, was a loser. Not, not in a bad way but just in a naive way, in a stupid way, as we discussed before, um, hoping that everything would be all right. And it's just that breaking down of a person and completely rebuilding them again. And she just wrecks. She wrecks who she was. I love the fact that she actually had black spray paint in her in her cupboard. I thought it was only me that had loads of spray paint, but that's mostly <laughs> Halford car paints for me when I'm doing props. And she mm-hmm. sprays black all over everything. She even has a, a nightie hanging up and has these kittens on it. And she sprays black all over the kittens. And goes through her wardrobe looking for something and you think, well, what is she looking for? Because the tongue's out and all in the sheer concentration of what she's doing. And she pulls out a black raincoat. Mm. It's a black PVC raincoat. And she takes it into the bedroom and there's a, a little uh, desk where um, the doll's house is in and she takes the black spray again and sprays in it. And the doll's house in some ways, it's pink inside too. And when you first look at it, you think, I wonder, is that her apartment? but how she really wants her apartment to be in her imagination Mm -hmm. and in her dreams. Her apartment has normal height, height ceilings, (laughs) and it's just so much prettier. (laughs) And unfortunately, no, now, now things are bad. Talk about depression. Like, I mean, there's somebody going into black mood and start painting everything black, but she throws, she breaks up the house with the, the, the tin of paint and she throws it to the side and she brings out, she lifts her sewing machine box and, Drops out a lot of Singer sewing machine parts uh, and thimbles and bits, bits, scissors and wires. Everything that you would need to start making something different, redesigning mm. yourself. It starts to cut up the black PVC coat. And of course, as she does that, you can see you know, how, how the, possibly the design's forming in her head. And she seems to manage to make it in a very short space of time. Now, here's a total aside again. I really envy this bit because I have been working on Catwoman now from Batman Returns. I mean, you've seen a couple. Of, there's a photo, few photographs up in a wee video, yeah. And I've just started another mask again because I wasn't completely happy with that one. And Kate, my, my friend and I, Maison Decato, we've been working on the suit. And it's a total and utter fucking bollocks to make. It really has. Uh, I have to make the claws. Now, lucky enough, our friend Gabrielle, her husband Gordon, he has already made a set and they're the most perfect replicas of the movie i've seen yet so he's going to help me make those that's not making a costume in a night nobody can make a costume in a night not even i can make a costume in the night and i have most of the bloody bits here so watching it actually quite recently i actually watched it my birthday 
in October. I thought, birthday treat, can't go anywhere, I'll watch Batman Returns. And I watched that scene and I thought, you lucky bastard. How the hell did you make that in one night? Because she makes the call, she makes the suit, she makes the... I'd love to know, did she already have that bodice? Did she make it? Yeah, yeah, I wondered about that because it's a corset, definitely is part of it. It is. Yeah, and and those boots. I mean, those, I'm just... I have now now bought, what, three sets of boots for this costume? Because every time I've bought a set, I've gone, ah, it's not quite right. That's not quite right. No, I don't like that set either. So now I think I've scored with my third set of boots. But those aren't the sort of boots that you would imagine somebody like Selena Kyle having, who, whenever you see her, when she falls out the window and she hits the floor, there's the scene, you can see her her tights are ripped and you can see her shoes. And they're very basic court shoes with a block heel. Mm -hmm. These things, my heels are five inches high. (laughs) <laughs> so those are not something generally that you have in your wardrobe unless selena was a player and a swinger in some ways that we just didn't we maybe in a previous life maybe that's what was wrong with the tim burton voice guy <laughs> selena really was possibly a switch i think she probably comes more of a dom later on but uh a switch <laughs> at this time and, and he couldn't deal with it so that's why he split up with her that's why he couldn't be an appendage because he didn't want to be tied up anymore so i don't know that's that's just in my mad fantasy world. But the costume she makes so, uh, is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question about that. How feasible is, because uh, the idea is it mostly comes from her overcoat. So I'm going to ask you, as a person who makes costumes, how feasible is it she could make something to fit most of her body from that? I've always wondered that one. No, it's absolutely impossible. I think you would get the upper half done okay but then you have to do the trousers now if you i mean my goodness even making a set of trousers uh, what what happens was uh with my costume at the moment uh gabrielle our friend our friend james and i she was selling hers and i says look i'll buy it off you and um i knew it was going to need a wee bit of work uh because she was she had been wearing it back to front for a start with a zip down the front instead of zip down the back <laughs> Whenever she said to me that she was going to sit, you know, would I like to buy the costume? I said to her, because uh, I'm a real accuracy freak, I said, the only thing is your costume has a zip down the front and hers is supposed to be down the back. She says, but that's the only way to get into it. And it's, and I thought, right, OK. And then I studied. We'd done a photo shoot one time together. Actually, there's a photo of, of her with her whip around my throat as me dressed as Batwoman. And so I found some photographs of that, that shoot, photo shoot that we did. And I thought. I sent her a message. I sent her a photograph. I did a collage of uh, Catwoman suit at the back and her Catwoman suit at the front. And I was able to show her that she was actually, she'd been wearing her Catwoman suit back to front all this time. <laughs> Which is brilliant. The, the only thing, the problem with the cat suit, <laughs> <is> that, <laughs> how we laughed. Uh, she told me not to tell anybody, but she's actually, she did it in a, in a, in a cosplay live feed thing the other month. So it's not so bad. And, uh, no, the, the Gabrielle's smaller than me, uh, and I, I'm taller. And unfortunately, the suit, when I put it on, when I tried tried it on, when I went to see Kate with it, she looked at it and she said, "I've gone on a complete side here, by the way. Uh, this is the worst suit you've ever brought me. It looked like uh, once <laughs> the legs, the legs were about six inches too long. So once we cut up the legs and we bit and pulled them down, she says, this is the worst suit ever.' And I looked in the mirror. I turned around and looked in the mirror suit that Kate has in her showed room. And it literally looked like I, I, I had been cut with an axe. Uh, it was right up the shop. Oh, so it's been cut in half. 
at the moment and whenever things calm down a wee bit more with this COVID nonsense, we're going to uh, work together to um, put a bit in the middle because right now it just, it would, it would be frightening. You couldn't show it to young children, put it that way. <laughs> Nobody I, needs to see that much. Just as, just as a side note, for me as, a, as an adult, pictures, please. Um. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I send you pictures, don't you worry. Well, yeah, uh, I actually have, when I tried it on at Gabrielle's house that night, I just, it was gathered in all sorts of weird places, but you couldn't see that when the legs were pulled down that actually, yeah, it was Camel Central. Not, not a good I'm, look. I, I'm intrigued and we'll leave it at that. But interesting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, pictures, please. Um, no, but what I find interesting when you talk about just going back to the comment you made about the costume for this, it was a totally, when I first ever saw this film, I wasn't enamored with the costume. And my knowledge before this film came out is I remember in bookstores seeing like batman style books uh well the batman returns book that was coming out and i was like well the, the, this catwoman costume's weird it's got a like visible white stitching on it and it doesn't kind of look cool uh, and uh, i couldn't sort of fathom with the fact that they changed batman's costume but now to me this film is sort of perfection of this that style uh mm. but when you talked about gabrielle when i first met both of you uh, there is a picture of me with you as uh, Ripley and a picture with me and Gabrielle dressed up as she's dressed up as Catwoman. <laughs> well, there you go. That's where I forgot about that. I forgot, actually, that she had it on that weekend when we did yeah. Liverpool Comic Con a couple of years ago. Yes, her suit was on back to front. Um, there's a, <laughs> you took a photograph of Gabrielle. Gabrielle was interviewing me on stage because I was one of the cosplay yeah. guests. And uh, Yeah, well... That photograph, Gabrielle was actually wearing her suit back to front. <laughs> <laughs> and I never would have known until now. <laughs> I didn't even, you know, I absolutely loved that movie. And I didn't even notice that the zip shouldn't have been at the front. Sometimes you, you just, whenever you love a costume and you love seeing it and, and you accept it how it is, it's not until you go to make it and replicate it again that you go into the minutiae of it. And that was the first thing I noticed was the zip was actually supposed to be down the back. And thankfully, it turned out that it was just the case if she was wearing it back to front. But yes, this costume is going to take a lot of work because the bodice is too long. I don't see these Chinese size things. I don't know who they make people. I would have had to have the, the, the bodice or the body of somebody about five foot one and the legs <laughs> and your legs, your length of legs. <laughs> That's how bad it is. And the mask is shit. So I've actually I, I did one mask I'm not happy with and I have bought another mask and, and I I've had to completely modify it and I'm working on it at the moment. But whenever she puts it on, back to the phone again, whenever she puts it on and she stands in the mirror, mm. it's actually quite, or sorry, not in the mirror, behind in, in their window in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And she, her, uh, her broken uh, light up sign that she smashed from hello there to hell here. Mm. It's very Amsterdam. It's very red light district at that point. But you wonder at that stage, bringing something that's different, if you're looking at the Dark Knight Returns comic book, where Selene's a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, she, she first appears in Batman Year One as a prostitute, mm. and she's really short black hair. Oh, it's not so the Dark Knight Selena Returns, was, is it? Uh, it's, the, it's Batman Year One, sorry. Wrong way around, yeah. sorry. Uh, oh, absolutely amazing comic and uh, well, she's, she's a prostitute who uh, she seems to uh, uh, mix prostitution and maybe um, a dominatrix type thing going on mm. because of some of the stuff that she, she's wearing but yes Cat, 
there's a, a spin-off Catwoman comic from that as well that goes into her background with her and Holly, her wee friend. Absolutely brilliant. I, I, I felt very much that the movie, yes, it's a completely different Catwoman, mm-hmm. but the movie captured the feeling of the comics, the, the darker era comics from that time. And apparently mm-hmm. parents were, were absolutely disgusted with it. They they wouldn't even, they complained to McDonald's when McDonald's ran their Happy Meal campaign using Batman Returns that it wasn't suitable yeah. for children. I'm sorry, I don't care. <laughs> it's suitable for us. We loved it. And but, I, I, but you've got yeah, to think. I agree. It was, a, it was an unusual costume choice at that point. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, you've got to think, being, and this is... It, we always have a bit of humour, a bit of banter us to, but being very serious on this, for a lot of people of an age, so for young boys and girls, this would be their first introduction to bondage. Being really serious, if you think about it, mm-hmm. the S&M element, the bondage element of Catwoman in this, it would, for a lot of people, would open up whole new feelings and uh, ideas to them that they would never have seen. Because really, if you look at this, she's like, in this, the whole costume style, the wit that becomes apparent, Selena is a, a BDSM person fantasy. You know, she's yes. wonderful if you're into that sort of thing. It's it's what oh, you want to see. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, as, as I've always said, it probably says something for me that a lot of this fetish gear I see is kind of normal. Didn't strike me about that when I first seen her. I just thought she was a powerful woman. Uh, Martial mm-hmm. Law, who I do, wears a gimp mask. Um, I have a lot of characters actually that maybe could be seen as as BDSM, and it's just normal to me. So <laughs> I don't even see it as kinky as such. I just see it as perfectly acceptable and normal. There's, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being kinky. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just I see it as normal. <laughs> whatever makes people happy is the way the way I see it. But going back to the film, I'm borrowing from your pronunciation there. Going back to the film. Uh, <laughs> We see, we see, uh, so Penguin, so Catwoman's happened. Penguin has reappeared. Um, uh, well, it, you know, it's his launch into society and he's done some really dodgy, nefarious stuff to make it look like the mayor's kid was kidnapped, but it's one of his people and whatnot. And then you get to one of my all time favorite scenes. And it's a bit weird that this is a favorite scene, but supposedly the penguin has found out he's also a cobble pot. He wants to learn about his his past and his history. And he's in the hall of records, you know, taking names down of people. Uh, Cause he suppose at this point doesn't know who he is, doesn't know he's also a cobble pot. So I've gone ahead of myself, but there's a scene where Batman's doing research into him or into research of some sort. He finds out about children being kidnapped and the red triangle gang and this aquatic bird boy. So we know that is, and he's concerned by all this. And it cuts to a scene that I just love later on where the Batmobile is cutting through the snow on a patrol and Alfred's saying to Batman, um, why are you still up? What are you doing? You're still concerned about this man. And I just love the line he says where, you know, I think he knows who his parents are. I think there's something else. And you see him then looking, watching uh, the, the the penguin sat in the hall of records, filling things in, and just visually, and the lines and everything, to me, I think it's an absolutely brilliant scene. I just love it. it. Every time I can just go back and watch it and watch it and watch it. don't know why so much that little thing gets me, but I just think it's a brilliant little piece. 
isn't it? It's quite a sad scene from the point of view that Bruce mentions early on in the film that he really hopes that uh, the penguin yeah. will find his parents because that, yeah, that touched him. True. And, yeah. and he he really was hoping so much that uh, Cobblepot was was um, was on the up, you know, was 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 true. He wanted a happy end. He wanted someone to come up and find his parents and for the for there to be something bright and beautiful and rather than dark and dank and, and horrific as had happened to him. And unfortunately, being the detective he is, he couldn't just allow himself to have that hope for a moment. He had to go in and look. I mean, thinking about it now as well, the Red Triangle gang, every time they went into somewhere, children went missing. And that now, after you've seen all the scandal over the years and some of the terrible things uh, we've found out, you can't help but think now of a paedophile ring. Mm. Probably wasn't the the intimation at the time, because certainly I didn't think of it back then. But now you think, were they running a paedophile ring? Uh, it makes that horrific for me, that particular aspect of the movie. And there is maybe that possibility of something that could be happening. And I guess I hadn't really thought of it until something you were saying there, that Batman, well, Bruce Wayne Batman, however you want to look at him, probably wants to see that, that because of the loss of his parents, that things would be all right for mm-hmm. the Penguin. Uh but obviously then finds out that the reality that there is something more going on. Because um, like when he supposedly finds out who he is, uh, well, even though the belief is that he's a priority, he always had an idea who he is. And I do also wonder, did he knock his parents off? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think he was coming up to kill them too. Definitely. And, and that scene as well where he goes to visit his parents' graveyard and he mm. takes two roses that are all yeah. shriveled up. Yeah. Um, that that reminds me of. Do you remember back to the Batman, Batman the first movie, and and yes, um, yep. there's a scene where oh, Bruce has yeah. its crime alley to yeah. to, uh, to pay respects to his parents, and he la- lays down two roses, and Vicky Vale tracks him, and that's eventually through that she can find she finds out that he's Batman, mostly because Alfred lets her in as well, which there's a wee bit of riffing about actually in this movie. <laughs> I loved actually there's a couple of occasions in this movie where Bruce and Alfred take the piss out of each other, which was just genius it was actually quite nice to see that uh and yeah so i thought that's it's almost like well what would have happened if bruce bruce's direction in life had had gone differently would he have been would he have been a bad person instead from tragedy he became this hero but from tragedy the penguin became something evil and now is he evil because of how he looks as well Mm. Because society then, it's a bit like Disney. If you're young and beautiful, you're the princess and you're good. But if you're older and you're and you're evil, or you're just older and still beautiful, you're you're automatically evil. So mm, there's a touch of that. How you look is how you are morally and as a character. I, I do love in this film. We also get a nice little cameo from uh, Bob Kane's wife. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's it? a scene where you see it, you see all these people with papers, and she makes some comment like it's a blonde lady, and she makes some comment like it's the like a frog becoming a prince. That's Elizabeth Kane, Bob Kane's well now widow. <laughs> didn't re- do you know poor Bob, poor Bill Finger who actually developed? Oh God, he uh, got shafted, didn't he? Oh, didn't he? What a shitbag! Oh, not that long ago that he finally got the credit he deserved. 
absolutely well, dreadful. Flashing forward, the only credit that he got film-wise came with Batman versus Superman. Good grief. That's right, it did. I remember seeing it in the credits and squeaking at the time, thinking, at long last, that poor guy. Absolutely but, dreadful. Uh, it is awful. It is terrible that happened. But on a positive note, let's go with the wonderful time we first properly see Catwoman, where she stops a would-be rapist. And uh, oh, what, yes. a, what a scene, though. What a scene. Oh, it's not wonderful. I mean, the, the girl... The girl uh, is so grateful that she's rescued. And you think it's going to be Batman because it's in an alleyway and it's something absolutely dreadful. It's a woman about to be attacked. You think this has got to be Batman because we haven't really seen Batman again for a few scenes. Mm-hmm. And what happens? It's Catwoman. And <laughs> she rips that guy in the arsehole. She really does. She takes him <laughs> down completely and, the most inc- and, and rips his face. It's, it's the scene yeah. where she flicks the claws and goes mm. and then slashes across his face. Very, very, very Freddy Krueger at that point. And the, the, the girl who's a, who was who was being attacked is all grateful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And and Catwoman just turns it. She says, oh, you always waiting for some Batman to save you. I am Catwoman. <laughs> Hear me roar. And backflips out of the alleyway. I remember practically screaming when I seen that part. I was so excited. Because there was the embodiment of someone who has rebuilt themselves again mm. and they're bigger, better, stronger, faster, like the six million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love uh, just uh, as a side note, what one year after I was watching this film, my dad, uh, I think it was a, uh, there's a strange, sad thing to it, but I think it was the, the, the Christmas after my mother had died, so it's probably the first one we'd, we'd sort of been together. So we're watching Batman Returns because I I love it. And I said, can we sit and watch it, Dad? So we did. And we came to the scene where you've got Max Shrek talking to Bruce Wayne. And I had to say this out loud. It's interesting. When you look at Keaton as a person, he's not a big guy. He's sort of a normal looking build. And I was saying, if you compare him to like Batfleck. <laughs> yes. Batfleck is oh. a walking mountain. <laughs> I, I, I know still... a lot of people don't like him, but I thought he was brilliant. Affleck, I think Affleck was absolutely uh-huh. brilliant. He's, both he and Keaton are probably my favourite, well, they are my two favourite uh, Batman uh, actors ever. But I love watching this scene because Chris Walken's tall and um, obviously Keaton isn't, but they, they do like the cool little camera tricks to try and not make the height difference too obvious on certain levels, which is, again, something that had to do with him as Batman anyway. But then... So they're talking and like there's a comment about Selena if she was here I'd have a throw you out because you know you, you're slinging mud at me about me working with a, with Cobblepot and then you get Selena coming in now it's interesting at this point going back to what you said earlier about the way she dressed when she was normal so to speak you see a complete change in style she's going into like these very cool dark colors of gray and black the hair's down she's not wearing any glasses and she's got a few different injuries that'll put like she's playing max because he's sort of saying can you how do you not you know is it amnesia is that did you hurt yourself skiing on a holiday uh yeah because she even one of her hands is bandaged and one of the injuries that she took that day or that night when she fell out of the window uh, when the cats were resuscitating her, oh, almost yeah. chewing her fingers. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's maybe a reflection of that she's so flirtatious here. She is mm. a woman that's just sort of like knows her own power at this point, knows that she has the upper hand on this occasion, and it's all eyes with her. Uh, I think it was Tim Burton that had described the two, the Keaton and and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer together was two sets of beautiful eyes, extraordinary yeah. eyes that they yeah, have. So very true. Yeah, there's a lot of flirtation going on. Uh, she doesn't really sort of take a lot of notice of Bruce at that point. Bruce cannot believe what he's saying. He is instantly hooked. He had, you know, he hadn't noticed her before. Bear in mind, he met her as, and he actually almost lets on that he met her as, as Batman, because she said, he says, we've met. Oh, no, no, I've never met you. She says, oh, no, no, uh, you're right. I was someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. That was such a great twist. But the chemistry between Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer was just, mm. you couldn't buy that. That was perfect. You believe that there was something between them. Well, I believe at some point they did date in reality. I think. Did they? I'm sure I remember reading that. Yeah, they did go out. I mean, Keaton, were, Keaton at the time when this film came out, was going out with Courtney Cox. Um, I think he'd been out with Jennifer Aniston at some point. So uh, clearly a ladies' man. Um, Player. <laughs> yeah. As young people are tempted to say. <laughs> uh, but we then see this great shift. Now, this is interesting because he's been cobblepot. Max wants to obviously use him to his advantage and also doesn't want to be blackmailed too much by uh, by Oswald. But he then decides that he's going to let him run for mayor because big push from Max is that he wants to um, get rid of the mayor because the mayor is a problem for him because he's going to mm-hmm. stop him doing things. Um, and then you see the the scene where they're trying to like improve his image <laughs> and one of the guys who's a image consultant says something like uh there obviously weren't very many mirrors down in the sewers and then I know. he says could be worse my nose could be gushing blood everyone starts laughing and then yeah the penguin basically bites down hard on the guy's nose um <laughs> and the blood oh. oh that was that was so unexpected it really was. I, I, I love the fact, I think it was Certificate 12 at the time. <laughs> I love the fact that it was it was too much for parents. The blood, mm. the sex, <laughs> BDSM was all far too much for parents. By gum. But what an ep scene that was. That was fantastic. And he, um, is that the bit where he kind of makes suggestive comments to the young girl? Uh, Mr. Cobblepot, you're the... <laughs> With the best it's, role model. It's that's <laughs> later on, but it's the fact that, that like, he's watching the woman better over the desk because he, he's going. You've got to fill the void of the power. That's you know right. the power void. He goes. I'd like to fill her <laughs> void. <laughs> it was so inappropriate, and actually, you didn't expect it. You really didn't expect it in the movie. It was hilarious. Well, you do wonder on the age thing as well, because like he makes comments like you could get unlimited poontang to him. <laughs> <laughs> It was totally inappropriate. It was really quite sexist, but yeah, as, as I mean, nobody likes sexism, but it really just showed that Penguin, he was just, he was like a kid. He was like a, a, a teenage boy discovering women for the first time. Mm. And he just could just stop himself from saying inappropriate things. Because he'd um, never, he'd never had anybody look <laughs> at him or find him desirable. That's true. That's true. He wouldn't have had any of that. It would have just been living this horrible life because he's this deformed you know creature 
even though he is a man and he's seen as just a creature and it'd be a horrible, horrible uh, existence for him. So you can see he's getting this thing that I can do whatever I want. No one will be able to stop me. Uh, but one side note that people do complain about is they say that this idea of Penguin running from air was in fact uh, taken from the Batman TV series in an episode where the Penguin ran against Batman. Yes. <laughs> so. It did. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um I've seen that earlier and I thought that was actually really funny. That, oh, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the episode, so go was look it, it up. But, like, it was quite was funny. Was it something like His Honor the Penguin? Yes, something His, like his, his yeah. Honor, and then His Honor, and then Dishonor the Penguin whenever he lost it again. Meredith, or Mer, what, what, what's his name? Meredith? Um, Burgess Meredith, yeah. Burgess, that's, I can never get his name right. He was brilliant as a penguin. I mean, Julie knew more. What a Catwoman. Oh, There's Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer and Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar was just elegance personified. Yeah, she still looks amazing as well. She does. Um, and she's still as, as supple as ever she was because she mm. had been a dancer. I watched a, a documentary on her a few Christmases ago. And uh, she was an incredible person. She really was um, very giving. Her son was actually disabled. Yes. And um, yeah. she, she pretty much raised him, I think, on her own. But even now, she's very gracious. She loves the fans. Just a, just what you want, a, you know, somebody from Hollywood to be like. Mm. A, a decent person. And yeah. I mean, I love like I, I love in this film when you see like the fight scene to Batman fighting the Red Triangle gang, and he, and then he's throwing his electronic batarang that then gets taken away by a dog. <laughs> just- <laughs> um, <laughs> But then I know I mean, <laughs> the poodle lady. She just she doesn't really say very much. We learn later on that she has she has a foreign accent, a generic foreign accent, and yeah. uh, she doesn't say anything. She just sort of glares at him, looks him up and down, like sort of like gives him a very shady look and wanders off. But it does go great because then we cut, we cut to Catwoman creating unholy hell in the uh, in Max's department store and oh, the brilliant the fight skips. scenes. Yeah. yeah. The way she skips skips through and then runs her nails down the glass again. She's looking through the, <laughs> the, the Shrek logo, which is a cat image. She just runs her nails through it. The, the smile on her face, pure devilment. And and uh, then she does uh, cartwheels through the store. I don't know whether you've noticed this, but in the cartwheel mo- bit, the the uh, stunt double is doing the cartwheels. She's wearing flat boots. Ah, well. do. Yeah, always see that. And uh, and then whenever, of course, it's shown Michelle Cohen straightening herself up again from the cartwheels back back to the the five inch stiletto boots, and she does a wee skip and with her with her um <laughs> with her whip she does a little, sort of little cheeky look around and then skips. I've actually done that when I've been dressed in. I do the um, Darwin Cook version of Catwoman, and I have mm-hmm. at conventions skipped through the place <laughs> with my skipping rope. <laughs> And it's not that easy because my skipping rope's ever so slightly short. Uh, now, I don't know how... The whip I have, uh, again, thank you, Gabrielle, she gave me that whip too. Um, I'm not going to be able to skip with it because it's ever so slightly short than my original whip. And in five-inch stilettos, that'll make me... Well, I'm, five, I'm nearly 5'7", so five inches on. I'll make me about six foot two or, or whatever it is. I can't actually think, to be honest. You'd be Maybe about my height. <laughs> yes, I'll be about your height. I'll be able to look you in the eye just on this one occasion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to skip somehow. I'd have to put an extension onto my skipping rope, but the balance to be able to skip in a pair of stilettos. Well done to the woman. I know 
she had gone to, she had went uh, and uh, taken kickboxing classes because there are scenes fight scenes with her where her legs her knees right up to kick out and again that that takes a lot of suppleness to be able to kick that high i know because i'm doing karate at the moment i haven't even got my first belt yet and i'm because i'm shit and it's the kicking bit is just it gets to a certain stage in life where your your knees just don't go that high anymore <laughs> to be perfectly honest so all, all credit to her for taking the time to to learn how to look like she can actually fight and she fights like a cat it's all heels and claws and and whips and things not that cats fight with whips but you know it's all very it's like the whip really is her tail it's an extension mm-hmm. of her tail it's the it's whenever a cat gets really angry it flicks the tail but see that scene actually in in the department store where she takes the head of the dummies she mm-hmm. did that one take i don't have you ever seen wow. the, the making of yeah there's a there was a half hour documentary half hour 40 minutes and it was on some of the uh some of the dvds but I actually mm-hmm. remember seeing it on TV and they do that scene and she does it in one take because she had to learn how to use the bullwhip because they're very, very dangerous. She, I think she actually yeah. uh, she accidentally cut open the face of the guy that was training her. Mm-hmm. I can make mine crack, yeah. but I can't swing it around my head and make it crack at the same time. Mine's cracking whenever I have it down, down by my side. So mm-hmm. she uh, that, that, that took a lot of handle. And you see in the documentary that the crew are clapping afterwards, golf clap. Because, because of her skills. Amazing scene. Pure devilment. And another bit as well in the department store. For years, when, whenever you went to see it in the movie, you see Selena uh, sticking her hand, her claws into the fuse box area where the gas mains is. And she mm-hmm. takes the door off and she turns the gas main. And then later on, they go outside and see it boom. In the cinema, what happened was she puts these spray canisters inside a microwave and sets the microwave to go off. So the explosion in the microwave, the microwave blowing up sets the explosion with the gas mains. They actually cut that out of the DVD release in the UK. Mm. They thought it was too, it was too, you, you could replicate it. Yeah. Um, and that they wouldn't, because there was an unchuck scene that they cut out as well with the clowns for some strange reason. And they put it in again later on, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow the, the uh that microwave scene in until not that many years ago actually i think maybe the blu-ray edition was when it was seen again yep because i'm looking at it now i was going to say the same thing on the wonderful blu-ray edition that i've got the uh it is back in it was it was out of everything for years it was out even on the special edition releases before this uh they would never include it but now it's back in and interesting when you see Batman fighting the Red Triangle gang. There's a scene where he fights this big uh, bodybuilder guy, Strongman, uh, punches him, can't knock him down, and then sticks the uh, dynamite on a timer that he's stolen from one of the other circus clowns and blows him up. And according to, from what I read, Michael Keaton, that's one of his favourite scenes that like wry smile Batman does before he knocks him down a hole and he explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Pure sarcasm. (laughs) It really was. Such a genius again, because nobody can do a wee smile like that, like Keaton. Uh, admittedly yeah. that that call anybody i see wear that call it seems to push their face it gives them that wee chipmunk look and wee hamster yeah. look you know we face full of food because of the, <laughs> the shape of the call and keaton sort of had that facial structure anyways so mm-hmm. it's brilliant absolutely superb and again batman kills mm-hmm. he does he but again it an absolute favourite 
bit I love is just the exchange when he then sees the mayor, uh, the the penguin, sorry, making the comment about the mayor. He says, you know, what do you, you admire any handiwork? And he says, uh, you know, was it touring the riots, seeing gravely assessing the devastation, upstanding mayor stuff? And that man looks at him and says, you're not the mayor. And he's, re- he's retired to think he's changed. And he says to him, you, you know, you don't really think you'll win. Because, he, yeah, he makes the first call, what do you want? And he makes kind of like direct approach from around the mask. But he's saying, you know, you don't think you'll win. And uh, Batman retorts when they, to that with, you know, things change, which I think is just a brilliant. Uh, Wasn't it? Yeah. But then, hey, we Beautiful. get Catwoman pro. We, but then we get Catwoman properly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> flipping across the street in those big heels again yeah. and uh, she crouches down stands up, the claws go above her head again I'm demonstrating it here and says, yeah <laughs> and it's I just, fantastic yeah. <laughs> absolutely her delivery was superb yeah. uh, if anybody wants to have wheel, I had a go with that, not the back flipping but just the meow when I put it, I think is it on my Facebook page? I'm not sure whether I put it on my Instagram as well, Hedge Scout, but I put it on, put it on my Facebook page, and her delivery, the pure cheekiness of it, it was just like a throwaway comment. I'm blowing this place. I'd be out. By the way, <laughs> see us. <laughs> Boom. And Penguin says, "I saw it first. Yeah. Flies off. And and then, but then you also have them." the thing of Batman and Catwoman fighting and the interaction there. And I just love when it, uh, it, the, the fight scene sort of ends and she lands in sand and just says, say by kitty litter. <laughs> is, that, is that the one where she licks his face as well? No. Later on. That's later, later on. on. That's a hell oh, of a yeah. scene. But it's, oh, yeah. uh, it, it's interesting when I was, when I'm rewatching it, I've skipped a bit forward to look at stuff. This is the, the aid, but when he's saying he wants to be mayor, and he's like, you know, touching the girl's boobs, just trying to stick a badge on them. Um, when he goes up and sees Selena again, I hadn't noticed until recently, properly looking at it, how much her costume is taking damage because and falling apart, basically. So you can mm-hmm. see huge gaps in it where you can see a, a skin or possibly some sort of under thing on it, but I think it probably is meant to be a skin, maybe. I think so. Um, where it's all like bursting at the seams. Yeah, partly Tim Burton, the design for Catwoman he came up with, he wanted to look like a cat bursting from the seams. Yeah. Like any costume, it just because it's it's hand sewn. Mm. I think the idea is because she makes this this PVC coat. Ah, here we go. This is what I meant to say earlier on. She takes a PVC coat and she makes a latex suit. <laughs> now, two completely different materials you will not get a latex now my my suit is pvc and makes the most terrible noises actually when you walk around in it and you can't your knees stick together <laughs> kind of stick to yourself it's the weirdest thing kate says she hates working with it she's just oh no it feels terrible and it makes squeaky noises uh, rustling squeaky noises but latex <laughs> is <laughs> latex is very different apparently those suits were a thousand pound each and she went through several i mean tens of several yeah. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't actually put, do you know, the stitches on her suit. They couldn't sew. Mm-hmm. You can't sew into latex. It's impossible. It just rips. It's very delicate. So they had to make strips to put, and they sewed. They sewed the stitching onto the strips, and then stuck those strips onto the onto the cat suit. But yeah, so I'm not surprised. 
that her suit starts to take damage if it's latex, though it's supposed mm. to be PVC. But yes, she's lying on in Penguin's lair up above the may- the place that they're that they're running the mayoral campaign. Why nobody from downstairs ever comes up? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a complete shithole, though. <laughs> Isn't it? Falling I mean, the apart. red triangle. Yeah, the red triangle gang are sitting under again they, these low roofs. I don't know if you're talking about it. Well, it's higher, but it's still got it's still the eaves, and they're sitting underneath it like throwing away toys, waiting for penguin to get because I think they they're a bit confused as to why they've been thrown off. What the whole idea was that the, the original plan was to try and do whatever nefarious thing it was that they were going to do. And suddenly their leader is playing, playing Billy Big Balls by trying to run mm-hmm. for mayor. But yes, Selena's lying there on the bed, very tempting looking in her suit, mm-hmm. freezing her nuts off because Penguin likes things warm or Penguin likes things cold. And of course she's in a yes. very slim thin suit. <laughs> she wants him to put the heat on. I mean, you've got to think the interest. I mean, there is the scene where she puts the bird in her mouth. Which I've gathered which was done real? for real. Yeah. Yes. Or, uh, yeah. Which just floored me. I often wondered because that was that was just before the time of really good CGI. So apparently Tim Burton was shocked whenever she just reached in, grabbed it in a fit of madness, and threw it into her mouth. It was only four seconds, but I would say that was a wee bird there with PTSD. Yeah, totally. But uh, I do like the fact that again, the little cat joke, and she's like, "I'm just going to wash myself because I feel dirty." Because like <laughs> they've dirty. come up with the idea that they're both going to destroy Batman, and she cleans herself like a cat. Which I just uh-huh. think I love it. I think it's great. It's brilliant scene. Absolutely superb. Uh, I must try that one actually. But <laughs> what I like as well too is by this time her, as as would happen actually, her lipstick is dragged down her chin. She's mm-hmm. had the bird in her mouth and now she's cleaning herself and her lipstick's all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that when you're dead, you can still make the effort, though. <laughs> I mean, it's the interesting thing. Like, you see, again, I do like that it's when you look at scenes with, say, Keaton in this <clears throat> when he's being Bruce Wayne, when he's at home watching, like, the the um, the penguin on the news, it's definitely you can see the 1930s style in his clothing and, and look. It's sort of like you know a matinee idol of the time might wear. And then when you cut to him meeting Selena, he was having one of a weird sort of like talks to herself because she clearly has issues. Um, <laughs> it's funny, not isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Um, the ch- and I never thought about this until we were discussing it now. But the change in her clothing. From when you see her earlier on, she's wearing much more sort of like brighter uh, and interesting clothing. But in this case, she's wearing something with maybe a bit of a uh, a, a snow tiger look to it, you mm-hmm. know, with the clothing. Uh, Beautiful. And when you see the fact that she does agree to, because Bruce is saying, come on, have dinner with me. Uh, I've never thought about this until something you said earlier, which is you can see she's like, what do you say? bashful or shy in a reaction so maybe she's found it hard to believe that somebody would want to still be around you know would want it because she was obviously seeing herself as being so dowdy and and all the problems that came from that she's becoming uh, she's sort of still surprised that someone would want her maybe she's still uh she's finding it hard to maybe express herself more in the way she wants to be if you understand what i mean yeah uh, because <clears throat> she, she wasn't uh she's suddenly a sex symbol 
She's coming yeah. into her own sexuality. You could almost say, I'm getting very deep and methodical here, but it's almost like a, a girl changing into a woman is that scene yes. in the apartment. Yeah. That's a really bad example of PMT. There have been times where everyone has gone through that part <laughs> where they just want to wreck all around them because it's not been a good month. <laughs> so that's a really bad example of PMT. Uh, but she's really coming into her own sexuality now. There, there's that realisation that, oh, I'm desirable. Oh, how did that happen? Maybe falling out of a window, dying and coming back to life again. That's the secret to it. And she wears her go. hair down more, doesn't she, when she's yes. on? You don't see her put her hair up. Yeah. It's, her hair it's, looks, like, it's, it's great. It's kind of crazy. It's crazy. Yes, a lion's mane. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. that'll be what the yeah. And you, but you, when they do go to when they're like sat down, uh, interesting. You only ever seem to really see like one part of the house here, or maybe two parts of the house, because they spend a, a lot of time in the central hall in front of a big fire. Uh, when they they we come to them having a smooch on the the, the uh, sofa, it, it ties in well to what happened earlier, which is she hurt Bruce by stabbing him in the side. Well, there's mm-hmm. a, a chink in the armour, and he burnt her arm with um, something in the belt, like a, an acid. Napalm, I think. Yeah, yeah, they yes. all, yeah, napalm. You're right. They almost uncover each other's damage uh, they and do. have to break off panic. from one another. Oh, do you know? There's, there's a bit actually before they get down and dirty. Well, mightly dirty. Wasn't they're loving them? They never even got to consummate in any way. That where Bruce, he's, he's, you know. You don't have, you know, they do you the usual bit like whenever you met somebody, you're trying to sort of go figure out where the psycho with their ex. So they're having that sort of conversation. <laughs> she's going, Oh, you know, last last girlfriend said I was a bit secretive and you know, a dual personality, blah blah blah. And Vicky said, and she goes, Vicky, let me guess, air hostess or ice skater or something like that. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, you absolute catty bitch. <laughs> I love that scene. It's just, it's, oh, it's just so. You don't know who this other person is, but suddenly they're a threat. So, as in typical female fashion, we like to get rid of the threats in as bitchy sometimes and nasty way as possible. But it's just pure female jealousy at that part. What do you mean you've had other women? Oh, oh, she seems to have made mean, mean something to you. I'm just gonna diss this girl who <laughs> I don't know. And it was, and then of course he said no, actually. Uh, photojournalist and Marceline's <laughs> yeah. thinking well you can't compete with that so get your kid off <laughs> but it's uh, I do love I, the way just get your kid off not her <laughs> yeah but I do love the way that he's sort of saying uh, about the dual uh, the dual um, personality thing and talks about Norman Bates <laughs> Norman Bates right. or Ted Bundy <laughs> I know. that's right what is it uh uh Crazies don't frighten me. At least they're committed. Yeah. Just, but <laughs> again, it's excuse me, coughing again. Uh, it's not COVID, by the way. Uh, that 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 the way they just look at each other. It's those eyes again. There's a scene mm-hmm. with those eyes, those four eyes yeah. looking at each other, and it's the sexuality and you know just the the pure passion whenever they're looking at each other. There's I think mm. there's a moment where it's a case of could this actually go somewhere. Mm. know that that, that there's definitely a connection between the two of them at that time and of course as the viewer you're thinking they would make a great couple Mm. now recently in the comics 
over the last year, Batman and Catwoman got together. They almost married at one point. That's true. That is true. It annoyed me because that to me was never Selena. Selena was never going to be somebody that got married. That that's too mediocre for her to me. Admittedly, she doesn't turn up. Breaks Bruce's heart. Uh, but I just it, I was really glad to see the two of them together, but I thought that was part of the storyline that was maybe it didn't ring true. There was in another universe where they actually did get married and they had a daughter. They did, Huntress. Yeah. Yes. Which is way back in the Silver Age of comics, but even in the in the, the recent comics there was sort of like a, a it showed into another alternative reality where it did actually happen and they grew old together and Bruce dies of cancer and it's actually quite sad, but it was handled extremely mm. well. But you're really hoping that these two at this moment in time in the film will get together. But as you say, things run into slight difficulties when they start trying to, to touch each other a bit more. Mm. Only on the arm and only on the side, like it was completely harmless, but that just happens to be the side of the injuries that they've both given each other. And Bruce realises he can't do this. Selena realises she can't do this. And of course, she has somewhere to go and he has somewhere to go as well. So it makes it kind of awkward. It's it's cut really short because they, they had mentioned before that the both of them had other things on that night. And mm. so Bruce had made the dinner even earlier. And I say he had made the dinner. Alfred, no doubt, had made the dinner. So poor Alfred right enough has to try and clear this mess up of the aftermath of the two of them. Yeah, both both make up bullshit stories to Alfred because their hormones are still on fire at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he's saying like, don't 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 say some, something to him like this stupid be my girlfriend kind of way. <laughs> just so. <sort of. laughs> <laughs> poor Alfred. Uh, poor Alfred just clears up Bruce's emotional shit and his physical shit all the time. But, but I do love the way Selena. I love the way Selena says to him, "You just make him a dirty limerick or something." Because one is just come <laughs> <Yeah>. to mind. <laughs> you, know, you know what I I love about her? It's just so inappropriate, and I can't help but feel uh, a connection with that as being yeah. as someone who is continuously inappropriate. What and you? Just says inappropriate Never. Things. Never. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's no harm in it. But she just can't think of anything else to say, so she says something that wouldn't be that wouldn't really be accepted in polite society the same. She's just great. But I had to laugh. She she drives off in her week in her wee battered car and Bruce he's gone off in his Batmobile and she's trying to get her costume on at the same time and you, yeah. and you have the whole scene of Bruce going to the going to the um the bat cave and the suit and you know, completely different worlds. She's on well, the cheap and the, he's on the millionaire. It's the first time we would have seen, I think, multiple costumes set up as well, because they're all in like this. Because in the first film, it's in like a locked safe door thing, but there's one costume you only ever see. Uh, and in this one, he opens like a whole room and it's full of like rows of his costumes. And I just Isn't think that it's like a lovely little thing. Mine's not that neat, but <laughs> it really is. There's bits everywhere. I mean, I have what, what, practically 40 costumes now. Well, different variants and all weird, weird random mm-hmm. shit. And there are some coat hangers, but there's a lot of stuff in boxes and suitcases. And if you ask me to go and find a costume, I have to really stand and think, where did I put that one? So I really wish I had. I need Alfred. How would you like? Would yeah. you like a job as Alfred? <laughs> How would you like to be a tall, blonde, young Alfred? Yeah. <laughs> like that woman. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. 
I shall think about this job offer. Uh, I <laughs> get any better. Like, yeah, true. You pretty well. But Batman's running off because obviously the the batarang that was lost, uh, taken away by the doggy, has been used to knock out the Ice Princess by uh, um, the Penguin posing as a talent scout. And then uh, I just, it's a really cool little scene because you have like interaction between him and Catwoman again. That's very flirtatious, you know where. He's trying to save the Ice Princess because he's been um, uh, framed. And she says, oh, I'll just say somebody with a smelly person with cat breath kidnapped me. And she's like, oh, I've not been fed all day. And he's like, eat floor, high five. Oh, no. <laughs> and, do you know what I loved about that scene, too, was the fact that the both of them, uh, I don't know whether the both of them got the chance to eat their dinner. I'm just, I'm saying about yeah. Alfred making the dinner. I don't know whether they got as far as the meat. Probably so whenever not. she says, did someone say fish? I have been fed all day. It's true. Yeah. She has to be fed all day. But poor old Batman gets framed because um, uh, Penguin unleashes like these horrible, uh, well, not horrible, but unleashes bats, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Not the woman off the edge, and they think it's uh, it's um, it's Batman. So the suddenly when she lands on the thing that lights up the tree, so the ice princess does get to light up the tree, which was her job, but you know it causes her death and bats go everywhere from the um uh christmas tree and obviously the police think it's batman and they shoot him and then i'm just gonna hand it over to you at this point because like batman lands on a rooftop and he's greeted by an old friend should we say and i'm i feel this will be seen you will really like joanne so it's over to you yeah but this is now before i actually really get into this scene this bit has always confused me batman looks over the edge and you think it's sort of like an upright building the police mm-hmm. shoot at him and he topples over. How does he land on? He he lands sort of on a a roof of some description. It, it always confused me just how he lands. That the building didn't make sense to me at that point. I'm going to assume he's fallen off a higher building and probably around it are like commercial uh, like properties that people live in because it looks like he lands on someone's. Um, I'm going to assume like someone's balcony area. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a room across from it, a, a house of some sort, because you can see into the room. Yeah, it does. It, it just uh, it, it did confuse me. But, of course, he's lying there. And who appears but our, fav- our, our favourite feline, Catwoman? Mm. And she puts her right boot on his arm and her other boot on, on his other arm and crouches down on top of him and wraps her claws either side of his face. She, she crosses her arm and wraps her claws either side of his, down side, each side of his curl. Mm-hmm. And they start talking. And she licks right up his face. <laughs> now, I <laughs> can't help but think now if this was COVID that the actors probably would panic a wee bit <laughs> doing that. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was it was like she was marking him as hers. Mm-hmm. Even though they were supposed to be enemies at the time, that always reminds me that she was marking, marking him as hers. She looks up and uh, and she says, "Oh, a kiss under the mistletoe. A kiss was it? A kiss can be mistletoe uh, can be. Oh gosh, I want to get the, there's mistletoe and Batman looks at it and she goes a kiss under the mistletoe and he goes mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. And she says, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. If you mean it, I knew I would fuck that up. <laughs> what a scene! No, my goodness, that is definitely um, a scene that to think of and." and at some lady alone time 
that one, just the chemistry <laughs> between the two of them at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. It was everything that you wanted between Batwoman and Catman. Or Catman, Catman, Bat- what? Batwoman and Catman. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's getting that, it's getting that stage where I can't remember anybody's name. Uh, yeah, those two. It's everything that you'd wanted. <laughs> Brilliancy, pure pure um, sexual chemistry in it, and I'm actually trying to remember what happens next because they, well, they, I remember I seem to remember them fighting. They fight again slightly, and then he like manages to paraglide off the edge of the uh, building with like inbuilt uh, paragliding kit and his cape. But then from their sexual tension, you cut to the complete lack of any sexual tension between Catwoman and the Penguin. Cause he's yeah, I couldn't get beyond it. the, yeah, her licking him on the face bit. That, that just, I yeah. went off into, just went off into my own zone there for a minute. I couldn't remember the rest of the scene. <laughs> it's all good. But like, they've been playing around with his car because they've taken his car and like managed to take it apart and like gain control of it. The Red Circus gang people. But then... Obviously, Catwoman's not interested in the penguin, so he like hooks a, a a helicopter thing around her neck, which takes her off into the sky to basically strangle her. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a hell of a, a visual uh, scene to happen. She breaks free and falls through a greenhouse on top of a ceiling, which uh, you know messes a costume up and her up even more. Oh. And she <laughs> she rises from it and screams so loudly that it shatters. The glass. It was literally like she had risen from the grave at that point. Yeah. She sits up and amongst all these flowers, it's like a flower bed that she's just sat up and amongst because it was a green. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like she has just risen from the dead. And this time she's really fucked off. Yeah. And seriously messed up even more. (laughs) That poor costume. Yeah. <laughs> but you do get, I mean, the scene where the, then Batman's trying to escape and the car's being controlled by the penguin, as he puts it, you know, the Oswald Cobblepot school of driving. Uh, <laughs> no. with comment, and he has the don't worry, Yeah. Don't want to worry, but my license is expired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play this town like a harp out of hell. <laughs> yeah. And then, Thanks obviously, good old Batman finally gets controlled by finding this thing. Uh, connected to the underside of the car, which for some reason stuff always has to look weird and uh, um, I don't know, just weird, you know, red and white and stuff. Not 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 something that's hard to see at all that would disguise itself. No, this giant weird standing out sort of like circus thing. But I guess that's why. And he manages to get control back of the car, but he's smart enough to stick a CD and I like to record the conversation in his stereo, uh, but oh, punches yeah. out the glass on the screen. <laughs> Top class IT for the time. Yeah. Uh, and we do get our first appearance of the Bat Bullet because that great scene where he's come, where the police are chasing, he's coming to a tighter and tighter uh, like alley to go through, and he's going, "Okay, now I'm a little worried because the, <laughs> the, none of the buttons will work." But an interesting observation is that that one button controls everything. It controls the Bat Bullet. It controls the flip switch to turn the car around. Uh, it's like, uh, and it controls the bat burner as well when it backfires. So it's a hell of a button that he's got there. This in half. Here's the nuclear button of the of the Batmobile. And uh, obviously, to 
to to uh, speed things through, they managed to work out that they're going to be able to use the recording against Bat, uh, the Penguin when he's talking to the crowd, uh, trying to run for mayor. They uh, feed through the fact that he did, in fact, play the city like a, a heart from hell, uh, where Batman does his best impression of a, uh, a DJ. Yes. <laughs> That's, that's the being cool and hip at the time. <laughs> that was quite funny because I'm thinking, if you scratch this, can you actually scratch a CD? I don't know whether you can scratch a CD or not. I don't think or it well, works final. No, I don't think it but, does work that way. But bearing in mind, this was like the early 90s and people were yeah. still using, you know, pen drives only sort of came out a few years later and there were, there were only mere kilobytes. There weren't, the CD was like, oh, wow. It was still in reasonably early days of people using CD, so probably a lot of folks didn't know that you could scratch a CD. Mm. And CD players still cost a small fortune. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is what ninety-two. <laughs> yeah, it that, was, 92. that was a funny scene. Yeah, um, I thought thought it was actually really well done because the penguin. What what uh, the people in the crowd again? I love whenever people attend, you know, the crowds and in these movies that there are only about 12 people. So the 12 people in this crowd are raging to hear what uh, Penguin has said about them. This obviously turns to a whole lot of the other 15 people that happen to live in Gotham City as well. And these 12 people start throwing fruit, old fruit and rotten eggs at him. Apparently Danny DeVito actually refused to body double. He just stood and took all the, the fruit and okay. all the shit being hit at him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Because whenever you see that, and you go, "Oh, that must have been painful." Some of those rotten tomatoes. So he and Shrek, uh, Shrek is he starts to think, "Okay, maybe association with the penguins not so good." Being the slimy sod that he is, he and Chip sort of blend into the background, and Penguin runs forward and leaps into the drain, back, back, returning back to who he was again, disrobing mm. as he goes. Until he finally yes. actually just gets down to his long johns again. Yeah, because when he gets back, he refuses to acknowledge that he's. Because uh, they call him Oswald. He goes, "I'm not a human being. I'm a yeah. I'm an I'm an animal. I'm cold blooded." And uh, he's obviously yep. decided that he's just gonna. He, he wants to kill. Then he, his plan becomes apparent. He wants to kill all the Gotham's uh, children, doesn't he? Firstborns to all, get revenge. All the firstborn. Just you know what I've just thought. He strips down to his underwear, and his underwear is still those Mikey Long Johns. Now, you think mm. he was running for mayor, and he's been dressing a lot better recently, that they maybe could have got, sort of got him some Calvin Kleins, which were very popular around about that time. You and, would think something a bit nicer, because he probably stinks to high heaven as well. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, though, that they didn't, you know, they, they had all the designs for him, that it didn't actually get down to his, his cacks. He's still <laughs> running around in his... And a set of stinky long johns, which, as you Gotta say, stay warm, oh, though. well, I would say he's the sort of boy that um, with those long johns, um, you would get several words out of them because when they get stinky on the outside, then you turn them inside out. And then what you could do uh, is turn them back to front. Maybe get three different uh, words out of them. Awful thought, but yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but um, he does look like covered in skid marks. It looks bloody disgusting, doesn't it? But, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, it stinks. I mean, I do love the fact that also you get a nice shot of the fact that, well, I love the flashback to the, the nod to the original 89 film when um, the same we, we can't fit the back, fix the uh, Batmobile properly, this Alfred Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne. Uh, we can't just take to any sort of Joe's body shop. And he, you know, he goes, so yeah, who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, that wasn't it? 
Absolutely. I wish we had a scene more of the banter between Alfred and Bruce yeah. because or you know, Michael Keaton, because the guy who played Alfred, he yeah. played it in the original four films, was perfect. He he looked Man, just like yeah. yeah, he looked just like uh, and how I imagined uh, come to life the Dark Knight Returns of Frank Miller. Uh, fantastic mm. four issue series that's quite often compiled into graphic novel. That was really the rebirth of Batman. Was one of the first Batman co- uh, graphic novels for comics that I had read and, and got me into it. That his Alf, the Alfred that Frank imagined is definitely the Alfred in these movies. Sarcastic, um, loyal, uh, and just. I, I just think he, he portrayed the character very well. I actually really like Michael Keaton too. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, he, I thought he did good. a decent job at it. Yep. Thought he was good, but. Yes, um, Alfred. He's delivering. He's delivering a note, an invitation to Bruce for Max Shrek's costume ball, and Bruce goes, "No, no, no, I'm not interested." And then he thought, "Oh, hang on, Vicky, oh, no, not Vicky Veal. It's nothing like stopping <laughs> the other woman there. I'm as bad as you, James. I mentioned uh, shocking, isn't it? <laughs> no, on this occasion, it's the ex. It's not the wife, so that's much worse. Uh, he he says, uh, "I wonder will Selena Kyle be there." I'll go. And, and Alfred's like, for fuck's sake, I've just ripped this thing up. But Alfred's way upstairs again to get the glue out. The glue and the sellotape to, to fix the, the invitation yeah. to go to Shrek's ball. I mean, it is quite amazing, though, when you see the, the when it cuts to the ball. I mean, I love the scene. You think everybody else is wearing masks and costumes, apart from Selena and Bruce. Yes. <laughs> they are fed up with wearing masks. Because uh, even Shrek takes a piss out of Bruce for not having a mask on, but that the fact that he hasn't made an effort. But the the, the moment where Selena walks down the stairs, look at incredibly beautiful, with yeah. the hair yeah. and just her dress, and it's so sophisticated, and it's not it's not cheesecake in any way. You know they haven't made her all all the way through, even though she's dressed in technically BDSM type style gear, she was never gratuitous. The characters never gratuitous. It's not tits and ass. You know, there's there's no there's no real skin ever on show. It's just this yeah. beautiful sexual woman who is a powerhouse. She is as stunning. Her personality is as stunning as she is. She to me as as a as a character. She has it all. Okay, she's insane as well. But we'll set that to the side. Mm. She's insane and she's really bitchy. But she just has a strength of character that matches her costume. And actually just thinking about her it, costume keeps falling apart. Maybe that's not a good analogy. <laughs> but it's also quite interesting when you see how it, it has completely mentally destroyed her. Because she talks about the fact that she's... There's the conversation where she says, you know, uh, you know, why are you here? And he, and he goes, like, you, uh, I think, to show you first, he goes, to see you. And she says, oh, I'm here for Max. And he initially thinks, does it mean they're in a relationship? And then she pulls out a gun. Yeah. A little dairy from a week garter like, holster. You know who the hell? Do you, yeah, I know you think you've got problems with your boss, but who the hell do you think you are? And she literally just, she was like psychotically laughing, and she just mm-hmm. doesn't because she's gone, hasn't she? She's lost it. But then, and I love the background music they use for that—the Sui and the Banshees uh, music. Yes, yes, face to face, face to uh, face. I, yeah, I, I actually have the I have the soundtrack of the movie. So do I. So do I. Do you? It's amazing, isn't it, Danny Elfman? Loved his it work because he also it did. Y- uh, it took you years to. No, I I bought it. I bought it in in the nineties. I managed to track it down. 
And uh, I thought it was just wonderful because Danny Elfman also wrote the music for, well, he did some of the Xena universe stuff and Hercules, but he also wrote the music for Army of Darkness, which is another really good yeah. soundtrack, but hard to get. Well, he, he formed a very close relationship working with Sam Raimi, didn't he? So did like Dartman and other things. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it took me years to find that soundtrack, actually. Really? I only got that soundtrack, believe it or not, on my 21st birthday as a present. Because I'd oh, never been able to track it down. I must have just been lucky. I bought it at the time. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I love the music. And uh, it's it's an incredible it's an incredible bit of music. I think it was co-written as well with, with Danny Elfman, the, the face-to-face I one. I can believe that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tim Burton wanted Susie because he was such a massive fan. And she was one of the few that could really put that cat noises into her, into her voice. She's very, very yeah. talented. So, I, th- I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant scene. But then obviously... Everything seems to be going well. Penguin gate crashes and destroys it uh, and then makes them aware that he's planning to take the kids. So thankfully, Batman hears this and obviously manages to step in and actually beat them uh, from to beat the, you know, the, the, the Red Triangle gang and stops them from doing this. But what it gets very interesting is that a note is given to the monkey <laughs> yes. to give to uh, to. Um, to the penguin and there's an interesting backstory on that that the the monkey would not give Danny DeVito the note because he was absolutely terrified of him yeah. and actually bit him now if I got this right that he bit him on the crotch at one point hey, hey, yeah I watched this thing earlier on YouTube saying that he attacked his, his the groin area unlucky for Danny <laughs> the fact that he <laughs> his, his penguin costume probably the monkey went oh my goodness the smell of those long johns and, and probably passed out that might have been the second <laughs> monkey that they used on set <laughs> There was actually a few animal rights things within the movie when I think it might have been Peter found out that they were using real penguins. Mm. There was complaints in at the time, but the Humane Association that monitor the use of animals in movies said that it was okay. I mean, those penguins actually came over from England. They are multinational penguins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and they had their own refrigerated transport and their own trailer because <laughs> you see footage of them coming out of their wee trailer and they had they had so much ice and fish and they were well looked after. Because I, I remember actually, it's in the making of it, that documentary I was talking about. And you could see their trainers, their handlers walking through the streets with buckets of fish to try and persuade the penguins oh. to walk along. <laughs> so cute. I mean, it is great because like he's basically, the penguin loses and basically says, right, you know, I'm going to wipe everybody out. He's got all these little penguins with um rockets strapped to them uh yeah. all converging on the um the, the the gotham plaza which within this film seems to as i said seems to be the one place where everybody hangs out because he's kidnapped yeah, max shrek no wonder there's, there's only 15 people in the whole town it's probably that's true really big. <laughs> he's kidnapped max hasn't he because he wants revenge on max and he was going to kill shrek and in a moment of sorry, chip shrek because in a moment of complete self selflessness max does say don't take my son take me it's the only time you see him being selfless um he's begging on what he leaves behind us max shrek he is yeah because that's chip yeah you're right yeah it's his legacy he's all about the legacy he's a narcissist he wants to be remembered even after he dies yeah 
Anyway, Batman, well, with the help of Alfred, managed to turn the signals round so the wee little penguins are running away and are actually going to go back once they came to, which is the uh, weird, uh, what is it? It's like he lives under like the grounds, underground from what was, I think, once the uh, zoo, wasn't it? Like the Arctic Zoo. Uh huh, yeah, the, the aquarium area of the zoo, of Gotham Zoo. That's and, uh, and he keeps uh, <laughs> he's kept uh, poor old Max locked up in a cage above the water where he's, cause he tends to obviously kill him at some point uh, and, and Batman is going forth in some I don't even know how to describe it it's not a boat is it that he's in uh, well yeah it's, 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 it's like it's like um, some sort of jet ski type thing yeah it, it's a strange vehicle. It's very fast. Mm-hmm. Very, very fast, though. But as, a, as, you were expecting, yeah, as you were expecting, all these situations, it's all starting to go wrong, and all the penguins, henchmen, and henchwomen have left him. Oh, I know. Even and Puddle Lady. Yeah, he's on his own in his weird duck. <laughs> he's completely ducked at this point. All he, he has is sticky long johns. <laughs> And this rubber duck. <laughs> but it's pretty versatile. <laughs> I mean, it'll go, it, it does drive. It, it looks like something in a dodgem. Mm, you know, like a, something from a, a foreground ride. But the one thing I don't understand is, so Batman then decides to use his weird jet ski boat, whatever it is, to burst through onto the surface to crush it. Now, when it's going along, it looks like it's something he's sat up in. Uh, but when he gets out of it, it's like he's lying flat in it. It's it's a really strange... Uh, oh, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand it. It might just be the way, only way they could get Michael Keaton out of it, you know, with the ears and everything, that maybe he couldn't sit up because he'd have to be too deep a, a vehicle. Or I could just be noticing, noticing something it's not worth noticing. But I do love the little fights between him and uh, the Penguin and like the close-up on Batman's eyes. Again, you're right. He's all eyes, isn't he, Keaton? <laughs> yeah, and Pen- Penguin's eyes as well are just horrific. Mm. And Max Shrek, mad. Slightly mad, suspicious, egomaniac type eyes. It's a movie of eyeballs, definitely. <laughs> But the fight between them is great because it basically goes nowhere. Uh, no. Because, like, basically, you can't, you can't fight. They're not on the same physical ground. And he, he, he's trying to stab him with his, the penguin tries to stab him with his, like, extendable uh, knife thing in his um, umbrella, but it just breaks on the edge of the boat. And then he thinks this button he's got, he wants to see what it's going to release because Batman's got this flashing button and it sets off all the, the bombs from the penguins that have turned up with little rockets. But it also releases uh, bats that swarm and attack the penguin. Now, there was a line that I wish they kept that was in the comic book ad- adaptation where he says, ah, your in-laws. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> they're not too bad when you get to know them. <laughs> I, I have that. that comic. I must go to yeah. it. I haven't read it in years. But I still always remember that line. So I think it was absolutely brilliant. I wish they kept it because I could just—you oh, yeah. can hear Danny DeVito saying it. <laughs> it was—it was not a bad comic adaptation, that one. Not. I, I actually—I have a—I actually have a few things from from that time that I collected. Mm-hmm. I must go back through them again because the, one of them was 
I think it was a making off book. It might be the one that you were talking about as well. I might have that. Well, it's one that I always remember when I was a kid seeing in the bookshops because it has like this. I think it's got the snowy uh, mm-hmm. Batman symbol on the front. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. But obviously everything's going to hell somehow uh, through, ste- well, through stealing keys off the little monkey. Um, Max Shrek manages to fall in the water and thinks I'm free. I'm safe. But he's not quite as safe as he thinks. And I'm going to hand no, over to you again, not. Joanne. Yeah, we, we see him. He, he, he reaches for, for the keys and he thinks, I'm going to get out of this. And he falls into the water. And the next minute, oh, no, he, he, he's, he's stepping out. And the next minute he goes into the water and we see that he's on the other end. And it's Selena. Selena's come back again. And her suit is fucked at this point. There's yeah. bits hanging off it. Her hair's she's having a really bad hair day. The makeup's bad. This time it's just been pushed too far. And she lays into Max and threatens him and whips him. And Max realizes at this point that Catwoman is in fact Selena and fires him. <laughs> Fire, fires her rather from her mm. job. As if she's worried about it. And of course then she starts going through You killed me, Penguin killed me, Batman killed me. Mm. Um but but I'm still here. But she doesn't realise at this point that whenever Max fell into the water, sorry, it wasn't keys he was reaching for, it was the gun that one of the yes. other clowns, the big fella, that the um, the penguin had killed, his but he still was clutching a gun whenever he fell into the water. So Max had the gun and he starts to shoot at Selena. Oh, hang on, Batman has arrived at this point as well, yeah. hasn't he? Oh. Yes. That's yeah. Right. What you have is you have this you have this this visually beautiful scene when you're watching it of where uh, he's trying to say to the he was saying to a uh, Batman because he lands and like uh, Shrek says like you know you're not only saving the uh, way of life you're saving yes. the city he just grabs him by the face throws him back and tells him to shut up and he's going to arrest him uh, you know you're going to jail and then this brilliant conversation between. Catwoman and Batman, where he's sort of saying we're the same person, we're split down the middle. You know, we've got this, mm-hmm. in essence, this psychological problem, and it's great. And she's doing this ultimate cat thing. And you sort of mentioned it earlier, which is she's using the whip like a tail. You know how she it, is. It, she's she's flicking flicks it, it. And, yeah, flicks and it a back body and movement. Forward. Yeah, and a body movement uh-huh. it twitchy as well. Yes, because she's got one hand out the claws, right? So she's defending herself, and and the yeah. tail, the, the tail whip is flicking. And Bruce is mm. pleading with her to, to have to have a life together. In fact, he rips his mask off. Yeah, at that in point, one of the worst I, worst continuation scenes ever, because he goes from black eye makeup to nothing. Yeah. I mean, to me, to me, they could have at least kept the makeup on, and then when it cut to him, they could have maybe had it clear. But yep. <laughs> yep. No. Suddenly, he has used baby wipes and taken everything off. Mm. Not an easy job. I've seen I've seen a Batman cosplayer take his mask off and the makeup's everywhere because it's really sweaty underneath those curls. Yeah. And Max Shrek is is stunned by the fact that it's Bruce Wayne, and of course Selena takes the piss out of Max. Yeah, because she rips her mask off. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I love oh, the comedy. Right, like point. you said, when he goes, Selena Kyle, you're fired, and he goes, and Bruce Wayne, yeah. why are you dressed up like Batman? Batman, because <laughs> he is Batman, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce pleads with her at that point to come away with him, to, to yeah. be with him. And she says, I would love to live with you, Bruce, in your big house. Mm. And 
And uh, but I just couldn't live with myself. And it's so sad because she's gone from it is. It's really heartbreaking because you you want her to go away with Bruce. I would be the most romantic person in the world. But to me, this is a very romantic scene. Uh, And I really wanted her to go away with Bruce. But she couldn't live with herself because old Selena going back to the beginning when she took the call on the answer machine from the wanker that she'd been going out with at that time. He couldn't be her appendage. And it destroyed maybe something in her. It was that moment where she, she thought that nobody was going to ever be there for her. And she does not want to be vulnerable like that again. She doesn't see that they would have a future permanently together and won't take the chance. Can't live with herself to be someone else's, to be domesticated. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. She doesn't want to be domesticated. She couldn't live with herself, she tells him. Hmm. And her hair does go completely mental in this scene as well. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's like all over the show. I, mm. I do wonder if it was, in fact, a real hair at this point, because at one stage it went huge. <laughs> it it <laughs> was a big goes slightly normal. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was a big bouffant. Um, and Max Shrek, of course, he thinks he's going to be able to blackmail Bruce at this point. He, th- You know, that there's no doubt that he, he's got the upper hand. Unfortunately, he well, forgets he- that Selena's still there. Yeah, he, well, he shoots him, doesn't he? And he falls over because mm-hmm. she goes, like, you know, was Batman. And then uh, he starts shooting Selena. Uh, yeah. And she does the whole Cat Nine Lives thing, which is cool. Uh, and then goes to kiss yes. him. She runs out of bullets, which yeah, is just she, like she, a hell of a thing. Her, 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 her knives, her, um, you know, she starts singing out her lives uh, in, a, in a nursery mm-hmm. rhyme. And it's perfect. And then she, she gets right up close to Max. Guess I've got one life left. Think I'll, I think I'll save it for Christmas. Uh, give me a what? Give Santa Claus a, a kiss. Yeah. She's there. Like, how about a kiss, Santa Claus? Because she's got this zapper, hasn't she? That the original clown had. <laughs> yeah, she she had the taser, and uh, of course Max is stuck at a a, a pylon at that point. He's yeah, surrounded what, by metal. Of all the places, why would you stand <laughs> against a pylon? <laughs> Yeah, that electricity pylons are a really bad place to be. And she, she kisses him, and they yeah, just she, go up and she smoke. She grabs the top, doesn't she, to create the arc. Mm-hmm. And then... That's right. She brings down a, a, a power cable, yeah. and boom, the both of them go up. An explosive kiss, and, and some of the, the, the scenery falls down on top of them. And meanwhile, Bruce, he's got up because, obviously, it's hit the bat suit, and he's protected. And he goes over, and he starts throwing the... the uh, all the all the things that have fallen, the debris that have fallen onto them to, to try to get down to Selena, because I'm sure he's not worried at all about Max. But there mm. we go. There's Max lying, fried with the hair. <laughs> the hair's kind of turned dark grey because it's been frosted, <laughs> sticking out all different ways, and a, a shriveled face. A wee bit like, I suppose you could nearly say it's a wee bit like how a vampire goes in the daylight. Yeah, definitely. Back to the vampire reference again. Um, he's seen daylight and. He's just shriveled up, he's shrunk. The life force has gone out of him. And and that's it. That's, we think, well, worst Catwoman? She's not there. Mm. She must be dead. It, but then it does cut to the fact that the uh, the penguin comes back out, you know, he emerges from the water with all green and black crap coming out of his mouth. And he's getting closer and closer, and he's going to kill Batman. And then it just does this brilliant thing where Bruce turns and even though he's unmasked, he's still got that hard look as they'd have as Batman. 
but I just love the way that, like, he says, you know, I'm going to kill you. And he pulls out a, what he assumed will be a gun uh, uh, umbrella. And he goes, shit, I picked the cute one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all these rubber ducks fall down. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm just going to have some cold water, ice cold water, and then dies in this lovely little scene with the penguins. Uh, march him into the water. Yeah, the emperor penguins take him away. Uh, that was uh, letting few... people inside the suits. Yeah, so, I can believe uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Penguin, as much as he's a total and utter shit, he can't help <laughs> Put it badly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Max, he deserved it. And the penguin, you almost felt you would love to have seen him get a better chance. Yeah. Even after, even though he was a really despicable person, you kind of think, oh, it's so sad. And in the end, Batman's the only one that makes it out alive. Max is dead. We presume Catwoman's dead, even though her body's not there. And Penguin's dead. And probably about 50,000 other penguins that were hanging around at the time. Everybody's That's dead. true. And there's probably Power a lot of other problems with, with power outages across the city. Uh, <laughs> so crime has gone up as well see this is the thing about Batman he's the nutcase and the costume the costume villains seem to follow him well they do sort of make the comment that everything sort of spouts from him doesn't it so mm-hmm. but um, I do find the scene that follows that it, it probably it's strange to say the end is probably like my ultimate favourite part of the film but when you see uh, Bruce's and you know very old uh Rolls Royce being driven by Alfred through the snowy city of Gotham, um, and obviously Bruce is in, you know in the back brooding a bit unhappy, showing scars from his from being attacked by Selina when she cuts him. And then he, he looks down an alley and sees what he thinks is Selina's shadow. Um, yes, and I, I think just I mean visually, it's it's a stunning sight with all the snow and. This freezing cold set, because from what I've gathered, you know, Tim Burton had the sets like ice. Um, and he's looking for what he assumes his ceiling is going to be there. And it, it, I'm going to assume it's at his feet appears. I'm assuming it's Miss Kitty. It is, yeah. It's Miss Kitty again. And he Which picks her Selena's up. cat, yeah, little black cat. Mm-hmm. And goes into the car and Alfred drives off. Uh, I mean, admittedly, yeah. has to drive slowly because there's no ABS in the car that that age. Yeah. And it's like, Merry Christmas, sir, and yeah. Merry Christmas to all cats or something like that. And, well, and Bruce and, and Miss Kitty are sitting in the back of the car, and there's the eyeballs again. Yeah, and it's just this great comment where he he says to him something like, "Well, Merry Christmas, Mister Wayne. It'll come what way, Merry What's Christmas, Mister Wayne." And he says, "You know, goodwill to all men." And looks at the cat and says, "And women." And it's it's the sad. If you think this was like this was Keaton's final turn as Batman until what's going to be hopefully coming in the future with the Flash film, it was quite a sad send off for him. He didn't get a nice happy ending in any form or other. No, and, um, he didn't even get a happy ending with Selena that night in no, the in Wayne Manor. <laughs> there was no happy endings for anybody in this film. Unrequited love and and uh, sexual tension. But what is a cool little scene is then you cut up to the uh, you're going through the you know, the buildings up until the rooftops and it cuts to the bat symbol going off and we see Catwoman once again. Mm-hmm. Which is not Michelle Pfeiffer. Apparently no. that was only a decision that was made after it was shot, not to have Catwoman die because they wanted to do a follow-up movie. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so a lot it's, of money I've heard as well. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. Oh, was just, yeah. And what a waste that they never did make the Catwoman movie. Yeah. I will never got, forget them or forgive them for that one. Because what I they made found, instead. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Catwoman, the movie? Nope, I refuse to. <laughs> oh my, I went to see it in the cinema and it was an afternoon and there was a crowd of young young kids in there. Well, they're probably 14 or 15 and they got as bored as I did. And one of them at one point <laughs> pretended he was um, Halle Berry and was stalking up and down through the aisle. <laughs> Doing, he would have been brilliant in RuPaul's Drag Race. He had to see, you know the way she walked? He was imitating how she walked during the film. Now, not under normal circumstances, you'd be thinking, would you ever just sit down and let me watch this movie? But to be honest, yeah. it was the highlight of the whole movie was watching a 14-year-old pretend to be a cat. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, the thing that I found really strange watching this film, there are a couple of things. I, it has gone from big... I, I will... Give the salty tadpoles a an example. When I first saw this, came out and I was like, "This is not my. I don't prefer. You know, I, I didn't like it as much as the original at that point. But as the film has gone on, I've gone to appreciate it more and more, and I love it just for its strange gothic style, the visual appearance of the film. Like when you look at Max's office, uh, well, or boardroom that he sees people as a kid, and even now. As an adult, I would love to have like a, 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 a property or a room of some sort that was like that, with that art deco look and the art deco style. And this is oh, the sort beautiful. of this film is film is probably one of the things that first got me into that art deco style of appearance. And the one thing that I find strange about this film, though, is it it's a it's set at win in winter. It is a Christmas film, as I said. I'll fight you if you disagree, but it's released in June. That's true. It did come out in the summer. Another thing, you know, you're film. saying about art, yeah, Art Deco. I was just thinking about is it Metropolitan? Yes. The, yes. That the, the birth of a woman scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's it, it. All it's all in there. Yeah. That stylization. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. It's uh, one critic um, didn't like it. He said that it was art over substance. And it did get get panned by some of the big critics at the time. Mm. I personally loved it. It was never one mm. that I did. It wasn't that I had to warm to to it. It's always been a favourite of mine since I first seen it. I just think it is perfect. Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Christopher Walken and Michael Keaton. OK, Michael actually had so little screen time on it compared to the other villains. They mapped it out one time. It was half an hour or something that he's on compared to everybody else. But the balance was was gorgeous. No, nobody ever, I never felt that anybody was fighting for screen time. That the mm-hmm. time that they had there was natural. It was organic. It, they were there when they were supposed to be. The interactions were perfect. The motivations of the characters. Um, I like the fact as well that the that the, the the baddest person in the movie wasn't the one in costume. Yeah. Because Shrek That's true. had so much to answer for. He was the he was the thing that gelled everybody together that di- that directed how they died and how they lived but it, and it's an interesting thing with this film when you talk about say the amount of uh screen time maybe that the uh, 
Bruce Wayne Batman had is that I, I'm sure I remember reading that when they were making this film, Keaton purposely said, reduce my dialogue as Batman, reduce my dialogue, you know. Mm-hmm. So he was saying very little. It was all about sort of, as you would expect with Batman, this brooding silence. But Far again, better. for me, love the story, love the way it's done. And just visually, I think it's a stunning film. And it would have been interesting, though, if they'd gone with the original plan for some of it, which was to have Billy D. Williams as the Max Shrek star character. And as I remember reading and understanding it, the electrocution of Shrek was supposed to would have turned um, him into Two-Face when it would still would have been uh, Harvey Dent. Uh-huh. Yeah, rather than the courtroom scene as it was traditionally mm-hmm. in the comics. That, mm. It's very interesting. Uh, I think it was it was a real pity not to have an established character there. Mm-hmm. Uh, though admittedly you probably would have been waiting all the way through the movie to see how he turned into Harvey Dent that might have been a slight Correct. distraction yeah it did distract it did confuse me actually when on first watching it I thought why who is Max Shrek I don't remember him in the comics mm-hmm. at all he's not a character I'm familiar with uh, I think he, I think it's actually almost a pity he didn't he wasn't in the comics because I think he was portrayed better than the like of Rachel Ghoul was yeah. in the Batman. I just watched. It just bored me that film. I, I know there's a mm. lot of people who love the Christopher Nolan. I think the second one was brilliant with the Joker, but it's not my Batman. And I still mm. think that he's that um, he sounds like that Batman sounds like Officer Cartman. <laughs> and I always will argue with people that he is not Batman. It's like screw you guys, I'm away home. And um, no, that's Officer Cartman. Definitely, that is a, that Batman is not Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's Batman was brilliant mm-hmm. until we got our flick, and then he was as equally brilliant in a different way. He was the menacing Batman that you read mm-hmm. in the comics. I mean, there's a fight scene with Batman where he goes in to rescue Superman's Superman's ma, and mm-hmm. uh, he just takes down the the the, the bad guys, and it's yeah. frightening. You could Batman at that point. He whenever Batman whenever the, the bat flies into Wayne Manor and uh, he becomes Batman, he's, he's there injured and the bat flies through, through the window and that's the, sort of the birth of the idea of using a bat to scare criminals because criminals are a cowardly lot, to quote him. Batman is supposed to be terrifying to look at. Batman's not terrifying to look at in the, in the Batman movies until he gets to Affleck and then Affleck is genuinely menacing. You don't know how he's got to react. And I actually think he made a crack in Bruce Wayne too. Uh, so do I. So do I. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I'm hoping that for both Keaton and Affleck being in this Flash film will give them a good send off that they deserve. Oh, I um, hope so. so. The fans went. The fans went really quite nasty about Affleck, and I still to this day don't understand why. But to be fair, they did that with Keaton. You know, there was this like, huge letter writing campaign. And I can see it a bit more with Keaton because they were probably expecting mm-hmm. it was going to be like the comedy Adam West style. Because, of course, Keaton was an established comedian at that point, a damn good one. Uh, and he physically is not the guy you'd think of as Batman. But he still pulled it off brilliantly. Uh, he did. And again, Even this Michelle one, Pfeiffer was, was a surprise too as well. There were some people didn't yeah. like the thought of Michelle Pfeiffer. Now, she ended up being paid £2 million more than Annette Benning was going to be paid. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Wow, and that Benny would have been pissed. <laughs> oh, I know. But I mean, she could have done with that for the baby, you know. <laughs> it would have been a nice, been a nice, uh, nice wee uh, egg. But uh, yeah, I'm sure when it came out later on that she was actually paid two million point more allegedly. Mm. Then Benning was going to be paid because you're never sure whether these stories are apocryphal or not. They're made up afterwards to fit in with the storyline. I mean, there was Sean Young as well. She went oh, shit. Oh dear. Do you remember yeah. her? She was oh. she was bonkers anyway. She devised her uh, own yeah. woman costume and all to turn up and demanded a demanded to be seen. You know, given an audition, audition and. Well, uh, I think Sean Young has problems. She's probably still recovering from the fact she had to bow out as Vicky Vale in the first one, so it won't yeah. have done really good, will it? Oh dear. No, she just expected <laughs> to get Catwoman. No, and saying that because I watched a wee bit of her earlier in that cat outfit. I mean, cat outfit wasn't great, but. Some of her mannerisms, I think she actually wouldn't have done a bad job. Hmm. I, th- I think she would have been off the Michelle Pfeiffer type of Catwoman. That kind of, well, literally she isn't seeing Sean Young. So, well, she was anyway. I'm not sure what she's like now, but certainly she had a reputation for being a bit bonkers. I think she, she would have done the character justice. I mean, I will take my hat off to Michelle Pfeiffer for, for wearing the Catwoman costume because I think from what I remember once reading, they've sort of vacuum sealed her in like you do with yeah. food. <laughs> she, she only got out twice a day to have a wee, uh, which would have killed me personally. And uh, she couldn't hear anything in the call because I know whenever I wear my Darwin Cook Catwoman, the call that Kate and I made, I can't hear. Well, sorry, I can hear, but it's a bit like wearing, what would it be described as? It's a bit like wearing a child's blow up football on your head because you get this echo coming back to you again and this tink 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 noise try try scooping out a child's football and wearing it on your head and walking around (laughs) that's about the best way i can describe it because it's rubber inside and it gives you a weird echoey sort of feeling strangest thing in the world and it's a bit warm too so when i met you as batwoman how well could you hear oh that was no problem because my ears were uncovered Right, uh, okay. The cowl that I have underneath, because uh, the mask is separate from the cowl. I made that cowl separately from, from the, the mask. The mask was bought, but I had to heavily modify it. And then and then the cowl goes on. Sorry, the cowl does cover my ears now. I'm talking shite. Uh, but I can hear okay. It's very, very thin latex rubber. So it's not too bad. I can hear my other Catwoman's outfit. Well, mostly. Sometimes I have to kind of... Hook, get my finger in and hook it slightly if I'm having a conversation with somebody. It's more the fact that you're kind of getting this weird internal echo. And Michelle Pfeiffer was getting the same. She couldn't help her. She couldn't hear herself talk properly. So often she was shouting over the top of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Burton was having to say, no, 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 just take it down to pitch there. You're shouting again. Yeah. So, yeah. Stop shouting at me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it wasn't easy for her to wear. I think, I mean, I read somewhere that she had some, they bought 60 suits. I don't know if that's true or not, but they they were fragile things. I did read that when she was asked the question on a talk show, uh, do you ever put on the costume for your husband? Her response was, I never, ever want to see that costume again. (laughs) (laughs) This is the difference. Here's the the vast, vast difference in costuming. what what I do, what cosplayers do, and what happens on screen. On screen, something only has to look great for that scene, that number of scenes. Therefore, you have multiples of it. They may only be made of some very flimsy material, rubber. I mean, some of the Judge Dread plates that 
the judges wore in their on their suits. They were just made of rubber and the guns were rubber. A lot of stuff was rubber and materials that wouldn't last in real life. Whenever we do costumes, things we make things to last. Our costumes mm-hmm. are actually tougher than what you see on screen and practical as well. So with yeah. mine, what I'm having to do as well is build, build a zip into the corset because I don't want somebody to have to lace me in and out of a corset every time. Mm-hmm. Every time I put it on. Uh, so I'm getting a wee zip put in too. But yes, generally speaking, you see a cosplayer in the outfit and you see it on screen. Chances are the cosplayer's outfit is, is stronger and better made than what you're seeing there. Because they had to sew her into I think they had to, they, as you say, they had to seal her into it in some way. Yeah. They mustn't have, I don't, I, they mustn't have sewed her in because the latex wouldn't have taken that. I'm not quite sure how they got her into it. I know they had to cover it in talcum powder every time because it was latex. And I know... I'm sure I remember reading that it created a few problems for her. She kept going lightheaded because you could only wear it for a certain amount of time because for how tight it was. Um, which I, be which I can, yeah, I can believe that would be difficult. So I'm going to ask what I always like to ask. I'm telling you about these things. What would you give this out of 10? I would give this 12. Now, that is the answer I want, and I would agree with you. I think it's, yeah, yeah. what a film. What an absolute film. Perfect. Perfect movie. Yes. If you really poked at it, you'd probably find plot holes here and there, but it stands up to rewatch. That's the quality movie. It certainly you know, does. You see it I on could, the big screen, yeah. and it's amazing, and you see it at home, and it's just as amazing. I do not think I could put it any better myself. So I think that would be the greatest point for me ever to say, we have been talking of celluloid codswallop. So I will say a huge, a huge thank you, Joanne, for doing this with me, taking the time to talk to me about this film. And uh, thank you for, for, for uh, going into detail with this with me. Uh, and I wish you all the luck with your future Catwoman costume. Oh, thank you very much, James. And thanks, everybody, to to listening to me talking about latex and things like that. A lot of latex love back out to you as well. Stay safe, everybody, and have a nice Christmas. Meow. We all know that 2020 has been particularly taxing, and it's been particularly difficult on people with mental health problems. With that in mind, I would ask people to look at doing something which is perfect at raising your spirit. And that is helping the song by Russ Abbott, Atmosphere, get to number one. And in doing that, I would ask people to get onto any sort of streaming service and download it for as little as 99 pence. With all proceeds going to support Mind and help people with mental health problems have a better year. Because we all know 2020 has been a rough one. Thank you very much.